Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. It's August 11th, and you are listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio with Natalie Cutler-Welsh, your host. And today, it's all about celebration. We're getting a little bit philosophical, and we'll also be talking about healing. My three guests that I've got lined up for you today are Terry Britt on the Worthiness Quotient and your, and Leading Your Life with Love, followed by Hone Edmonds on The Psychology of Man, and then Ina Neal on Inner Healing. Uh, let's kick off with some celebrations because, as you may know, last week, Reality Check Radio launched a Foundation Members Club. Now, we had straight away, we've got about three and a half thousand people from all across New Zealand um, that have joined, possibly some internationals also, that have joined to support RCR with either a monthly or an annual payment that they make, a little donation, and they get so many bonuses. And last Sunday, we had bonus number one, which was a backstage pass to come on a webinar with um, some of the hosts. And I, I get that it's not for everyone. We had actually almost a thousand people on the live webinar. It was so much fun. And it was really cool to do some behind the scenes. I know for a lot of our um, people that attended, just kind of seeing the hosts rather than just listening to their voice. Paul was there. Peter was there. Rodney was there. Marie, Jaspreet and Don, myself. Um and Katie, it was amazing. It was so great. And I think it was a great chance for a lot of people that have kind of their shows that they traditionally would listen to each week to meet and greet with some of the other hosts and maybe kind of dabble into some of the other shows. It was so much fun. And I did myself put out a little plea. I said, hey, if there's anyone out there that also has been finding it quite tricky um, in terms of the relationship because of your different views on COVID and beyond, get in touch with me. I would love to share what's worked for you so I can pass it on to our audience. And I had a lovely woman get in touch with me. She's going to remain anonymous, but I'll just give you some tips right here and now that she shared with me on our Zoom call that we did. I took a bunch of notes. She made the comment, and I love this. She used a quote from Khalil Gibran, which is, stand not in each other's shadows. And that was really around um, in her, she said in her, in their vows and their marriage vows, they were all about banishing all negativity from their lives so that they can be a guiding light for each other. And then she gave me that quote, stand not in each other's shadows. And I thought that was a great reminder because it's so easy to get tied to our own views. I've definitely been doing that a little bit lately, I must admit. Um, and also this woman I interviewed, she said, you know, I tried to convince him that I was right. <laughs> We've all done that. You know, I sent him the data and the information. He really didn't want to know about it. Uh, and that probably caused the biggest problems because looking back, both of us had, our minds were closed. She said, for me, letting go of trying to convince him was a huge step forward. She also shared this wisdom. If you're if you're able to get back to the concept of co-creating, um, because one of the killers for relationships is resentment. So focusing on what you can co-create together um, will be easier for moving forward. And I thought that was a great tip as well. So I wanted to share those with you. Hey, if there's anyone else out there that wants to chat with me, you don't need to be interviewed um, or even a couple that want like literally the husband and a wife or whatever combination. If you want to be um, interviewed or chat with me, more than happy to pass on what has worked for you in that 
in that area of keeping the love alive. Speaking of which, the entries are still open at this point for the upcoming giveaway that I'm doing, meaning I'm going to pay for one couple here in New Zealand to attend the Family Life upcoming weekend to remember, which is all about coming together again as a couple um, with some amazing exercises. And it's in Taranga. It's a it's a retreat of sorts. It's kind of like a conference slash retreat. There's about 70 other couples. So you're not going to be uh, put on the spot. It's just a great um, opportunity to take some time away from your daily life. You as a couple focusing on yourselves, you can enter the giveaway familylife.nz slash up your brave and just enter and go from there. Amazing. So I'm going to go to some other uh, messages that we've got from our lovely audience. I did mention the Barbie movie. I did not see it, but I mentioned that I was wary of some of the messaging or indoctrination in the movie. And I asked my audience to write in. So thank you for writing in. Someone here says, there's more truth in the Barbie movie than the propagandist's Oppenheimer movie. Just saying. Okay, good to know. Natalie, you are definitely thinking the same as me. I wanted to walk out of the Barbie movie. My friends could not see it at all. Okay, and that one, neither of those have a name, but that's fine. You can message us anonymously. I don't need to read your names out. Uh, I've got someone else here that says, hi there, Kath from uh, from Manganui, Manganui. Loving and finding Tessa's advice on authentic voice, extremely relevant. That was one of our guests last week. You can go and listen to the replay on the Up Your Brave Replays page. Tessa Livingston talking about your inner voice and your outer voice. It was a really, really great interview. So this week, you know, it's been 8-8 Lionsgate for those of you that are into astrology type things. So between July 28th to 12th of August is the Lionsgate time, which is a great time to, I think, really get clear on what you do want to create in your life. It's a time signifying endings of things, releasing karmic family issues, such a great time to reevaluate what work you do, where you want to be putting your energy And the advice that I've heard is that you may feel both tired and wired at the same time during this stage. So it's super important to take time out for your mind and your body. I thought that was pretty great guidance. So we're going to dive straight into our very first interview. I spoke with Terry Britt from America, and today we're talking about the worthiness quotient and leading your life with love. Here it is. Check out our brand new RCR Foundation Members Club. Go to realitycheck.radio slash members and join now. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. Today, we're going all the way to America. I'm going to be chatting with Terry Britt, and we're going to be talking all about the worthiness quotient and leading a life you love. Welcome, Terry. Oh, thank you. And I am so excited to be talking to my New Zealand friends. I was just telling you right before we went on air that Miss New Zealand became Miss Universe uh, back in 83. And her name is Lorraine Downs. I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know who she is. And we are good friends. I don't talk to her a lot, but I'm dying to come to New Zealand. One of these days I will get there because I want to see her and I want to see your beautiful country. So I'm excited to talk to you today. Yes, of course, many of us will know that name, and we're excited to dive in 
to today's topic. For those of you that haven't heard of Terry before, um, Terry is actually former Miss USA, Terry Britt. She's a love expert, an energetic healer, and change agent for women and their families. She's the founder of Women Leaders of Love Global Community and is the host of the Terry Britt's Leading with Love radio show. I love that I'm talking to another radio host today. Terry is the author of several books, including her award-winning one, The Enlightened Mom, A Mother's Guide for Bringing Peace, Love, and Light to Your Family's Life, which won Best Spiritual Book of the Year and both and at both the New York and the San Francisco Book Festivals. Well, congratulations, Terry. That's amazing. Terry's mission is to guide women off the hamster wheel of competition, stress, and emotional chaos, helping them create lives they love so their families can watch them learn. For more info, terrybritt.com. Terry, I'm so excited on a number of levels to dive into this with you. Um, on my show, it's all about motivation and empowerment. Um, and I don't know if you know this, and some of my audience does, I started off as a parenting author. So anything that helps oh. mothers, you know, mothers and fathers, you know, connect and honor and parent their children, you know, in, in an empowered way is amazing for me. So I love that you wrote that book. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. I didn't know that about you. I'd done a little bit of research, but I guess I missed that part. So congratulations for helping so many. That's awesome. Well, you too. Hey, um, before we dive into the good stuff, I would love it if you could paint us a little picture on how life has been for you specifically over the past three years. I, I, I know you're in America. I don't know geographically where you are. How have things been? <laughs> Fabulous. I have to tell you, life is really, really good. Other than my two dogs dying in the last year, that was the saddest thing. So there was grief there. But over the last, oh, I don't know how many years, my husband and I have really been practicing prosperity consciousness, really being open and receptive to receiving love so we have more to give, being more intimate with each other. The pandemic was, this sounds awful, but it was amazing for us. Uh, we have a coffee roasting company here in the mountains of Georgia outside of Atlanta, and when everything shut down, it became playtime for us. We were hiking every day. We were cooking together. And I don't like to cook, but he does. So I'd just be his little sous chef, right? And I don't know, it was just magical. And then when we opened back up, our business has continually exploded. It has been just crazy. And I really, truly believe it's because we're practicing every single day what does love look like? What does loving myself look like? What does aligning with the way I was created look like? You know, getting off of the hamster wheel. So we're, we're in, and let, let me tell you, it's been a little harder for him to learn as he'll tell you, he'll, he'll say, Terry, I'm not you. This doesn't come easy for me. It doesn't come easy for me either. It's just, I've been practicing a lot longer than him of, you know, really owning my worth and loving myself, but it's been so much fun. I can't even tell you how much fun it is. And we just, and this is what happened back in, oh, it was November. It was the week before my birthday. I told him, I said, listen, you're working still really hard, which is great. And I have a lot more balance in my life than he does. He's a, He loves to work. Um, I don't. I want to have balance. But he also plays pickleball. And I said, I am really craving some adventure time with you. He had had a Harley when we first got together. 
you know, I'd be sitting on the back of his motorcycle and kissing on his neck and rubbing on his arms. It was like foreplay. And uh, <laughs> and then he sold his motorcycle. We moved to the mountains of Georgia and he sold his motorcycle. So all of a sudden we were missing the adventure. So I told him, I said, I would really love to have that adventure with you again. Well, two days later, he came back and he says, what do you think about buying an Airstream, which is a trailer? I don't know if you have them in New Zealand, but it's a really cool looking trailer. It's vintage. It's it kind of looks like a silver bullet. So we ended up purchasing one. It took us months to get it in. And we took our first camping trip last week. And it was amazing. We rode bikes every day, went to breakfast every morning and just hung out by the lake. And I mean, it's I it's really, really good. I love that. You know, um, people getting caravans is definitely a thing here. And I would say since COVID, yeah, a lot of people have got caravans and wanting to just travel domestically more, like explore their own backyard type thing. I'm pro- We probably have those silver bullets. What was the name of it again? It's called an Airstream trailer and mm. uh, it's a 25 foot. <laughs> ours is a globe trotter. If anybody's into Airstreams, I don't know if they're big over there. They're, 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 they're a high end trailer and, uh, but they're very unique looking. Okay. Yeah. This is what, he, what I said to him when he first said, what do you think about an Airstream? And I said, well, it kind of reminds me of a suppository and you know, <laughs> You know, as a kid, they have those little silver suppositories, you know, like if you had a stomach ache or something and they're wrapped in silver, that's what it reminded me of. And uh, he was like, okay, I was not expecting that answer. (laughs) So, but we went to see them and I fell in love with it because it's so spacious and it's got all the little, you know, extras like beautiful lighting and stereo surround sound. I mean, just really, really nice. So we were glamping. I would call it glamping. I love it. Well, that, you know, it is, it's leading, like you say, leading a life you love. And I think so often we get so caught up in just doing the, doing the do, you know, doing the work and going to work and coming home and making the dinner that sometimes we don't stop to ask, you know, how can we have more love in our life? So, I mean, how did you, have you always been like that? Like no. super into <laughs> making things lovely or, or did you, did you have a little bit of a wake up call? Oh my gosh, let me tell you, I had anger issues. I was that overachiever, hamster wheel, always pushing, always shoving, and and was miserable. I I didn't understand it back then. This was all through school and and I just, you know, I felt like, well, I have to win love and approval. I have to prove my worth. I that's just what I believed. I wanted to be the best like my dad. So I did that. And then when I didn't feel loved, especially like my by my boyfriend, I'd lash out. I actually try to put my fist in his kitchen window in high in college. So I was a little neurotic. So no, I have not always been like this. And um and it was interesting because that that craziness, it it made me feel bad about myself. It made me feel like I was this bad person because I could wear my happy face mask. And then all of a sudden I would lash out. I'm a Scorpio with that scorpion tail and I'd come out Mm. with that tail. So I had all this judgment on myself. I mean, here I was, you know, second in my class in school, president of this president of that. And then I would have this other side of me. So there was on the outside, it looked all nice on the inside. It felt very dark, very, very sad, very uh, filled with shame. Okay. Uh, I followed my boyfriend to college. 
that didn't have a broadcasting department. And yet I wanted to get into broadcasting because I was so dysfunctional that I believed that I had to give up myself in relationships to be able to receive love in return. It was again, trying to be the best, trying to be the best girlfriend, trying to be the best student. That's when I tried to beat up my boyfriend and put my fist in his kitchen window. And the big shift came for me. And it was just, it was a big shift because it planted a seed but the bigger shift came much later, but it was in my second semester of my sophomore year. I'm talking to a friend on the phone about how I hate school. I was at home for the weekend. I was getting ready to go back for the end of that afternoon. He goes, I said, I don't want to go. He said, so don't go. And I said, well, I have to. <laughs> he said, says who? And Natalie, it was so weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever had an intuitive hit flood over you. I'd never had this experience before, but in that moment, I felt it. Something just washed over me. I got really grounded in my body, very solid. And I was like, says who? I have to leave school. And I did. I left school. Everything started flowing. My apartment rented without any effort. I moved home, got a job. And within just a couple of months, I decided on a whim, again, an intuitive whim, to enter Miss Arkansas because I was looking for a break to get out of Arkansas, which is a small town in you know the South. So I go into Miss Arkansas and I win. <laughs> Two weeks later, I'm shipped to Miss USA, where in the states most girls have months and months and months to prepare. I had two weeks. Well, then I go to Miss USA and in the top twelve, and you have to understand this. Back then, it's not as big now, I don't think, but back then it had millions of viewers. And I get on stage where Bob Barker, the host, asked me, what do you do in Cabot, Arkansas on a Saturday night, population 4,000 people? And I said, in my very Southern draw, well, Bob, in the winter, we stay at home, but in the summer, we go down to the Tasty Freeze, sit on the back of a truck. My friend plays the banjo and the guys, well, they drink a little beer and dip a little skull. It's a real good time. And I don't even know if you know what skull is, but it's dipping tobacco. (laughs) But you're gonna get the whole vision, you know, the the get get the uh, banjo playing, sitting on the back of a truck, you know. And I won, I won with that answer, which was completely breaking the mold of Miss USA. I had short, short brown hair. I mean, it was crazy, right? I mean, it was just so different. So what was interesting is in that moment of winning, I'm thinking I won, and then the next moment I'm thinking, is this it? Is this it? And then my next thought was guilt because I'm looking at my boyfriend who's sitting out in the audience and I'm thinking I've just screwed up his life because my dysfunction has kicked in again. I know I'm about to be sent to New York. He's being left behind in Arkansas. So I think I've ruined his life so much so that that night I sit in the hotel room and contemplate giving the crown back. Okay. I won the crown but I did not claim it. I didn't own it. And what was really interesting is that by the end of that year, I thankfully I kept the crown and I went on with my title, but by the end of the year, I'd given my money to my dad to invest. He had lost all of it. Every bit of it was gone. I had to sell my prizes to pay the, the tax in the United States. So I had at the end about $10,000 that I had been able to scrape up out of 150000 in cash and prizes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't spend a penny because everything was paid for. So I had to 
kind of look at my life and go, okay, now what? Well, I ended up moving to Los Angeles and got right back on the hamster wheel, but something kind of set with me from Miss USA. And it didn't take hold for a very long time, but it was this seed that was planted that said, when you listen to your heart and stand in your truth, miracles show up. I listened to my heart, got off of the hamster wheel and left school, went totally against the grain of what society says to do. I stood in my truth talking about drinking beer and dipping skull in the back of a pickup truck because that is not your typical pageant girl. <laughs> and then one, a miracle showed up, right? But it would, I, I didn't get it. I mean, I, I had a feeling, but it wasn't integrated. It was just a feeling. And so I'd be, I got back on that hamster wheel again. And when I really noticed it, I noticed it some in television, but when I really noticed it is when I became a mom and a wife, because I found myself, oh, let me do everything right for my family. Let me win your love, which we mamas do. You know that as a, if you've been writing as a parenting expert, you, you know that, right? We, we want so badly for our family to feel loved. Let me do it right for you. But what we're really doing is coming from lack. We're coming from a state of, I want you to feel more loved than I have felt. So we deny ourselves and we get stressed out. We, if you're like me, you wear your happy face mask and then you blow up and you can't stand yourself as a mother. Now you're buried, buried in mom guilt. And I knew I needed a shift. I knew that I didn't want to do this to my family. So I decided to heal. And with that decision, my whole world changed. I got into energy school and intuitive healing and started learning who I am and loving myself and committed to loving myself unconditionally and quit performing mm. for my family. And it was those magical. powerful words. It's so interesting, isn't it? The powerful words that that person said to you, the says who, and it's so good when something like that shakes us and makes us think, yeah, I am living in what I call the should zone where you're doing what you should do. Cause you said you would do, but you had that full body experience and you followed it, which is amazing. So I know you work with tons of women and some women listening will be um, moms and some won't. And of course, the whole what is a woman thing. We've had a huge, we've had a huge time, especially the past six months as women. But what I'd love to know from you, Terry, is so women, you say that women struggle with feeling seen, heard and valued. Um, and they have a lot of women, have not all of them, have the not enough feeling Um you talk about worthiness quotients. Can you explain what does that mean? What is a worthiness quotient? Quotient. Well, your worthiness quotient is based in your vibration. And it's how open you are to receiving love, nurturing, support, abundance from the universe simply for being you. I just explained how, as a mother, I was denying myself. I was performing for my family. I wasn't being me. I wasn't expressing my wants, desires, and dreams. So I became resentful of my, my husband. I didn't like who I was as a mom. I didn't like that I would be you know fine one minute and then screaming the next. I didn't like those things about me. I knew that... I, I wasn't being the loving parent I wanted to be. And in that judgment, I was holding shame and guilt. Okay. Shame and guilt have been calibrated as the two lowest vibrations you can hold. And whatever vibration you put out is what you're going to attract to you. 
So I'm holding these vibrations of, okay, I've got to do more. I've got to give more to my family. So I'm treating myself as if I am not worthy of being seen, heard, and valued. I'm treating myself, not anyone else. I'm doing it to myself. So I'm holding a low worthiness quotient. And in essence, what I'm doing is punishing myself. As I perform for everyone, I am punishing myself and I am in poverty consciousness. Well, if you're projecting that kind of energy, that's what you bring back to you. So what I began to realize is that I was setting this example for my family. I was ex- I was setting an example that self-denial equals love. But really in essence what I was showing them was that self-denial equals pain and punishment. And that is not what I wanted to send to my family. So my whole mission became about not only helping other women own their worth to claim their crowns, but for me to do that. For my life mission was for me to say yes to who I am, to loving myself, to raising my worthiness quotient. Because as you love yourself, you move into alignment with the way you were created as you treat yourself as if you're worthy of being seen, heard, and valued. And the way that showed up for me, I was meditating on unconditional love. I committed to unconditionally loving myself. And as I committed to that, I'm meditating one day on unconditional love when all of a sudden, little Terry, the little five-year-old inside of me shows up. I'd never, I'd never done any inner child work. And I am seeing her and I'm sobbing. I'm just booing and booing and boohooing. And realizing that I've never loved her, I've never acknowledged her, I've never treated her as if she matters. I've always been sticking her in the corner. And then, and then I hear in my ear very clearly, get up and write this. This is the beginning of your book. That was the beginning of my first mm-hmm. book, Message Sent. And Message Sent was where I started paying attention to how I was reacting to my outer world. And instead of feeling like a victim and blaming everyone else for my unhappiness because they weren't filling me up with love, because remember, I was always performing because I wanted really to be loved and returned, I made it my mission to stop that, that I was going to love myself. I was going to take ownership. So every time I reacted, I'd give thanks for the gift. If I was reacting to my husband because he wasn't listening to me, instead of like I wanted to do in the past, where I'd want to punch him out. Instead, I would say, thank you. Thank you for the gift. And I would make it my mission to go within, talk to little Terry, ask her, what's hurting? What is the belief that's causing you to suffer? And what do you need from me to feel loved? And as I acted on those messages, releasing the beliefs, because I know that if a belief is causing me to suffer, it's not the truth. And then as I acted upon the messages, I became the divine mother to that little girl inside of me. And I started feeling seen, heard, and valued. So my worthiness quotient started rising, right? And as it started rising, I now was open and receptive to matching energy that showed up as love, that showed up as nurturing, better relationships, being seen, being heard, being valued in every area of my life. So women... We keep denying ourselves because this is what we've been programmed to do. And what we're in essence is running a low worthiness question. Now, here's the interesting thing. You know how over the last so many years, 
we've been hearing, put your mask on, like you're on an airplane, put your mask on. First. You know, I mm-hmm. heard that saying. Yeah, yeah, they say put your mask on first. On first. Yes, first. Yes. Thank you. Here's the problem. Women are starting to do more of that, but there's a conundrum. They're starting to try to love themselves, but deep inside, there are still these vibrations of shame and guilt that no, 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 you're not supposed to do that. No, 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 you're wrong. And and a big thing that I saw for myself is I had a lot of judgment on myself because of those times when I had suppressed myself, I had denied myself, and then I would lash out. I judged myself as being mean. So now I'm really running a very, very low vibration of shame and guilt. I had to bring compassion to that pain and say, listen, I know my heart. I would have never done anything intentionally to hurt anyone. When I lashed out, I was hurting. That little girl inside of me was in pain. And so by bringing that compassion to her, my worthiness quotient went even higher. And what was so interesting is the more I did that, then if I did make a mistake, if I did screw up, if I did have a moment because I was holding compassion for myself, then compassion was mirrored back to me. So over this time, what I've been understanding is that your worthiness quotient is key to everything in your life. If I remember um, you said I had a radio show. My radio show is now done because I felt called to let it go. It was called Leading with Love, but um, Dr. Joe Vitale was on it one time. He was in The Secret, and he, he was talking about money and financial abundance. He was saying that there's three things about money, and he said the first one is you got to clean up your beliefs around money, like money's hard or money doesn't grow on trees. you got to clean up those things. And he says, and then you have to clean up your worthiness. The next thing you have to do is clean up the feelings about being bad. Well, to me, bad goes into worthiness because if you feel bad about yourself, you're not going to feel worthy. And I remember him talking about that on the show. And I had already started working on my worthiness quotient digital program and my, you know, my quiz and all this different stuff I've been creating. But hearing him say that made me really start taking a look at how our states of worthiness, and we can have different states. Like I can have a great state of worthiness in my relationship with my partner, but at work, I suppress myself, right? So we have different levels that we can come in. And then of course they all mesh together. We want to be in a high state of worthiness in every area of our lives, whether it's health, taking care of ourselves, all the different aspects. It's really important that we love ourselves in every way and clean up the crap that's in our minds that says, no, you're not worthy so that you can manifest whatever it is you're wanting, right? In in whatever way you ask me about my life. I think that that consistency is so key because I think men get it too, but it's almost the opposite. Sometimes they might feel worthy and appreciated and respected at work. And then maybe they come through the kitchen door, you know, they come through the door after a, a long day and they don't get that same, they don't have this consistent worthiness quotient in their, in their work lives. Does that, does that absolutely. resonate? I, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, what's interesting for women is we have been taught so long to suppress ourselves, believing this is love, right? That, and men do it too, but it's in a different way. I mean, we just shut ourselves down. 
And then we wonder why women are so mean to each other. Mm. We're so competitive with each other. I mean, we have a lot of female workers at our job and my husband will, at our at our coffee house and he'll just say, oh, these women and their emotions. He says, men are not like this. And he's right because the women, they feel they're suppressed, even though in our company, we're like, you have a voice say what you want. We value you. I mean, we're all about empowerment in our company. People love working for us, but they're still dealing with their own crap, right? And then you can see not so much there, but I see the competitiveness amongst women because if we are in lack and we're suppressing ourselves and, you know, telling ourselves that, no, I can't have this, you know, I've got to be a certain way. I've got to be good. I've got to do it right. When we're doing that, we're in lack. So what we do is if we see someone who's not in lack, who's thriving, we want to, women want to cut them down. We don't look at them and go, wow, what an example she's being. So my mission is to help women really raise their worthiness quotients so that one, that lack and division can end because I believe what we see in our world, the lack and division stems from that. It stems from, well, you look at our country right now, there's so much division and people are in survival mode and the survival comes from a low worthiness quotient. When we are in a high worthiness quotient, we are no longer in poverty consciousness, we are in prosperity consciousness. And so I believe that we women have an, an amazing opportunity if we will commit to loving ourselves into healing mm. and raising our worthiness quotients, that we have this amazing opportunity to change the culture of our planet because we are the ones, you think of the mamas of the world, right? When mama's denying herself, she thinks this is love, but then everybody learns, no, you got you can't receive love. You can't receive abundance. You're being bad if you do, even though moms are giving their kids everything, right? They're doing everything for their kids, their partners, they're doing everything. But the child will internalize mom's pain. Yeah, I was going to say, because they're doing, they're giving everything and that's the problem. Well, it is the problem. They're giving everything and 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 leaving nothing for themselves. When I wrote my book, it's called, if only they told me all the things you wished you'd been told from pregnancy to starting school. (laughs) And, um, and our other tagline was babies, sex, and a cup of tea. Anyway, myself and my co-author, she's British. And it was quite funny. It was quite a funny book. Um, and we, we covered all the things, um, But, you know, one of the things I talk about is how we put ourselves, especially young mothers, meaning mothers when you first have young children, it doesn't matter what age you are, but when you have young children, we tend to put ourselves at the bottom of the heap. And then I go under the dog, literally in terms of priority, like we would prioritize taking care of the dog rather than taking care of ourselves, not intentionally. It's just kind of what we do. And then as we get older, as the children get older, we kind of are like, Suddenly we're claiming, you know, our, our, like you would say, claiming our crown a little bit more. Um, But how can we do that sooner? How can we not have to go through that stage of putting ourselves at the bottom of the heap? Like, do you have some technique or some tips for my audience today around how can we claim our crown, whether we're a mom or a, a man or a woman, it doesn't matter, but how can we claim our crown and not put ourselves low priority or no, not rate ourselves so low on this worthiness quotient? So the first thing is, is you have to redefine love Mm. because love is not self-denial. As I said earlier, love is 
is love. It's loving yourself. It's giving yourself a voice. It's setting boundaries. It's respecting yourself. It's putting your needs at the top of the chain. Um, Self-denial is pain and punishment. So we don't want to do that, right? So you have to start recognizing, oh, this is punishment. This is love. I love to do this thing where you can do an exercise where you can put uh, at the top of the column column is pain and punishment. And then what would love do? A new definition of love. And you go down and say pain and punishment. Where are you suppressing yourself? Where are you not giving yourself a voice? Are you not asking for that raise? Have you been feeling the sense that you needed to open your own business, but you keep staying safe and not taking that step? Okay. So that's pain and punishment. And then when you look at what would love do, if I was to redefine love and really honor and love the way I was created, what would that look like? And you write that down and then you take action. Okay. Because we can know these things. We might have a sense inside of us, but if we don't take action, we're continuing the pain and punishment. So that's the first thing is that I would do is really Mm -hmm. get into awareness of this is pain and punishment. I'm choosing poverty consciousness. This is redefining love. And this is prosperity consciousness. So you want to choose prosperity consciousness because that puts you in a high worthiness quotient. The next thing you want to do is become the divine parent, whether you're a man or a woman, to of that little kid inside of you. That kid is the one who reacts. That one, that kid is the one who is in fear. That kid is the one who doesn't feel worthy. So as an adult, Hopefully you can get into this mindset that we make up the body of God. We are all part of this beautiful, all loving energy. And so therefore we are worthy, but it is that inner child who's wounded, who says, no, I'm not some, this is scary. I want to be safe. Okay. So we play small. So our goal as the divine parent is to help that child feel safe. So for me, that's why when I'm reacting, I I go into gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for this opportunity to, to heal. And then I scoop up little Terry and I imagine her as a little five-year-old and I, and I say, what's hurting? And I let her feelings come to the surface. I let everything come up and I let their feelings take me back to the earliest memory of whatever this feeling is being triggered, right? And then I get to that point and I'll say, you know, what was happening? And what was the belief you took on? Because children make decisions that are not the truth. They're making it from a child's brain. So we make decisions and beliefs that then we run our whole lives with. So I become that divine parent and I say, you know, what is the belief? And I release it. And then I ask, what is my truth? What is my truth? And as I give myself permission to stand in that truth, whatever it might be, maybe for instance, I haven't been asking for what I needed in my relationship. Okay. I was raised to believe that you can't ask. I didn't see my parents ask. They just did. They were resentful. So now I'm being resentful. So that's the old definition of love, love, but it's really pain and punishment. So the new definition of love would be, I'm going to ask for some support from my partner. I'm going to say, would you mind taking out the trash? I'd really love some support. I'm feeling overwhelmed and tired. Would you mind helping? And if he says no, then I'm like, oh, okay, you're mirroring to me some kind of belief that is inside of me because you're saying, no, if this is in my heart, this is my truth. So I'm going to go within and ask little Terry, what is he mirroring to you? And you let those feelings come up and you go back at childhood and you see that every time you tried to talk to your dad, he put up a newspaper. What's the belief you took on? I can't be heard. So you clear that out and you say, okay, how can I hear you? 
How can I love you? And as the more you start hearing yourself and you have more conversations, then the energy begins to shift. Sometimes it can shift just like that. So those are the things that I would say are the key is redefining love, recognizing when you're doing pain and punishment and look at a new way of doing, you know, prosperity consciousness and then become the divine parent to that little kid inside of you. Be, I call it the woman leader of love. That's my community. You know, as women leaders of love is be, be the divine mother to that little kid inside of you. And then as you treat that child as if they are worthy of being seen, heard, and valued, and you take action, you send an energetic message that says, I am worthy of being seen, heard, and valued, and nurtured, and loved. And then that's what shows up. So that's where I would begin. Well, for our listeners that are listening, for some of you, this might be very familiar in terms of the concepts and the terminology. For some others listening, this might be quite new, even the concept of inner child or the terminology, prosperity, consciousness. So we would love to know what's resonating for you. We would love to know what's coming up. You can send us a text 2057, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Because this is a huge topic. And imagine living in a world, a society, where people's worthiness quotient, to use your languaging, was through the roof. And they Mm -hmm. didn't feel the need to point the finger or to try to drag anyone down. And specifically in New Zealand, you know, we have this concept. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called tall poppy syndrome. What is that? (laughs) You guys should have seen her face. She's like, what? Tall poppy syndrome. <laughs> you know, it's like if someone dares to to say something that they've achieved or to stand up, you know, be proud of themselves. People are, some people, quite a lot of people are, um, well, who are you? Who are you to think you're so great? Oh, well, who do you think you are? It's that. Um, and so you alluded to it when you talked about women can be quite um uh, what's the word? Competitive. Thank you to each other. It's it's that, but different. It's not a, it's not so much a woman thing. It's just a it's a yeah. If anyone dares to to be proud and and put, stick their head up, you know, like a tall poppy would be the one that grows higher, and then people want to cut it down. Yeah. That's the concept. Um, I would like to. I would love to think that if we in ourselves felt more worthy and and grounded in who we are, we don't feel the need to to drag anyone else down. And for myself, I've been in business 11 years now with women entrepreneurs. I've never really experienced that cattiness or that competitiveness until the last three years with COVID, but it didn't come from the women entrepreneurs. It came from the local moms. And for me daring to speak my truth or to question some of the things we're being told to think and do. Um, So it was a little bit different than the traditional tall poppy, but it certainly is very powerful. Hey, I know you've got a quiz. So if people are sitting here going, how do I know what my worthiness quotient is? I know you've got a quiz. Can you direct us? How do people find that so they can do that quiz? Sure. It's just terrybrit.com forward slash quiz. It's really easy. T-E-R-R-I-B-R-I-T-T.com forward slash quiz. And it what's so cool about the quiz, it's going to take about three to five minutes because I really want you to get connected to your feelings. And you're going to be taken through a series of questions. At the end, you're going to get a personalized report. And it's going to show you eight different sections of your life and what the numbers are, where your worthiness quotient is. And it's going to give you an overall number, which is so cool because I've had people take it and then really start focusing on raising their worthiness Mm -hmm. quotient. And six months later, take it again and reach out to me going, oh my gosh, Terry, I'm so proud. My numbers have gone up. I'm so happy, you know, because they know they're seeing the miracles show up in their life. 
And, um, but they actually have something solid that they can look at and say, wow, this is, you know, this is really telling me where I am and where I need to put my focus on loving myself more. I think that's amazing. So would you give the tip of, um, so did you say it only takes five minutes? Okay. So just make sure I imagine, just make sure you're not taking it when you've just had a big fight or you're, you've just been crying your eyes out, (laughs) you know, make sure you're in a kind of normal-ish, neutral-ish mood and then take the quiz. Is that good advice? (laughs) Well, you know, it's what's interesting. You can take it really in reality whenever you want, because those feelings, because I'm going to ask you in the beginning to connect to your feelings because your feelings are your soul guiding you Mm -hmm. and they're your biggest guidepost. Right. And so If you are having a lot of negative feelings, you might want to put that on there and be totally honest so you can say, wow, there is really something here to focus on. You're going to get a real solid answer saying, there's lack here. There's unworthiness here. Let's put some focus here. And in that personalized report, I'm going to give you some tips and tools on how to get started. That is so good. I think the people love that. Okay. So that's terrybrit.com slash quiz. Quiz. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, I wanted to ask you um, about the pulse of things in America. So I've got a Canadian accent, but trust me, I'm in New Zealand. And um, But how are things in America? What would you say that people are, you know, what's the vibe right now? Are people feeling positive? I know you're probably feeling positive yourself, but what what are the things that are coming up for you guys? Well, I think COVID brought up a lot. We, you know, we had the uh, Black Lives Matters. We had uh, the Me Too movement. I mean, we've had so much stuff happening over the last four or five years. There is a great divide right now. You've had trains derailing. You've had food processing plants going on fire, all the things. And I'm just watching the people, okay? I mean, because to me, all of it is just a mirror to what's going on. It's like years ago when 911 happened and the twin towers were attacked. Of course, I've at first I was angry and then I started meditating on it and I got a message that this is how we treat ourselves. We treat each other, power struggles and so anyway, I came to terms with it. Well, the next year I was in New York City one year later and I'm talking to this woman. I'm just sitting on the bench in Central Park talking to a woman. And she uh, she says, it's so different than what it was the day after 911. I said, why? And she goes, I don't understand. I've got a picture on my refrigerator still to this day. She says, "I'm everybody see all the ponds and everybody now is milling, are milling around. She said, but then they were staring into the pond and I don't know why. She goes, I've got a picture of it. And I said, well, I can tell you exactly why. And of course she was shocked. And I said, We were being asked to look at the mirror. What was going on in our outer world was showing us our inner world, the power struggles we have within of battling against each other. I mean, that's what it was showing us. Well, that day she took my card that day. She sent me a message and she said, oh my gosh, I came home and looked at this picture and you were exactly right because she said, we actually came together as a, as a state or as a city to, Mm. to help each other. But even it had kind of slid back to where it's you against me, right? So I look at all of the stuff that's going on as it's an awakening. We're waking up. And to wake up, we have to see the dark and see what needs to be healed. That's the way I look at it. But let me tell you, I had my moments during the pandemic, during all the elections, where 
if I'd had my shoe in my hand, I probably would have thrown it at the TV a couple of times when I heard things taking away women's rights and some of the stuff that was going on would just send me over the edge Mm -hmm. because it was like, you have no right to take away my rights. You know, so um, there is that you have very extremes. You have the very religious. I have a strong faith. I'm not religious, but you have the very religious right that believes their way is the right way and everyone else should conform to their way. So we're seeing all of this come bubbling to the surface. And, you know, my hope is that through my work, your work, those of us who are bringing attention to this, that we can say, okay, what's the gift in it? If I'm reacting to this in any way, what do I need to heal within myself? And one of the things that I really recognized during the pandemic is how it brought up everybody's survival instincts, that it was you against me because people were in sheer survival. Like my mother and I have very different political views, and we would kind of get at each other's throats at times during it because, I mean, I was working through my stuff too, right? We all were. Well, it hit me one day. I'm having a moment of survival because I care about the planet and she's more worried about her social security, right? So she's in survival. Mm -hmm. So very different political views, but they were both triggering our need to survive. And so as soon as I recognized that, it was like, oh, I can let that go because I'm not in a survival mindset. I was just like, oh, okay. I realize what's happening here. But I had to look at everyone else who was in survival and understand their process and what they were going through. I love your perspective on that in terms of you're able to look at, not get caught up in the details of, because there's so many, did you hear about this? And did you hear about that? And incidences and ideas and concepts, but it's like, yeah, we're, we're being shown to look at, look at ourselves and to see the light. You do need to look at the dark. So I love the, I love that perspective on it. And of course, coming back to oneself, looking mm-hmm. at the dark within, and then hopefully being able to shine bright, like a light. Like when you, when I first asked you the very first question, how have the last three years been for you? your answer was just so positive and uplifting, but fully it's coming from a place of um, you've journeyed through <laughs> to get to that place. Yeah. yeah. It's not naivety. For me. It's, no, it's groundedness. It, it is groundedness. And mm. what's so interesting is that I look at the darkness. I didn't used to, I used to feel like a victim. I mean, I've been molested. I've had all kinds of crap happen, but I look at all of it now as a gift for me go to go deeper into self-love and to moving into alignment with what I call God, that all loving presence. Okay. And so for me, even those bad things that happened, like with my mom and I being at odds, then I would immediately go into gratitude and say, thank you for the gift, because I know that none of this is happening by chance. I know that I'm being guided to go within. And that's why I can say the last three years have been amazing because they have been because the growth, the expansion, the joy that's been on the other side is I've recognized, oh, I'm in survival right now, but that's not who I am. That's poverty consciousness. I can choose differently and then rise above it and see other people still in it and love them through their process. Just knowing that as I love myself, and stay in this high vibration, maybe, maybe a few people will look at me and say, 
I want to know what she's doing because I want that in my life. And so that's my mission as a woman leader of love is to be the example so that other people might want that for themselves. And I think you do that well. Definitely. I've been in the place of wanting to convince others, of course, and open their eyes. But I think um, be coming from a place of love and gratitude, like you said, you know, and I wrote down here, replacing the low vibration energies of shame and guilt with higher vibe, like love and gratitude. All right. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go to the four questions that I ask every guest. Number one is um, upping your brave. And and you've, you've detailed a few things you've done in the last while, but in the last year, what is one thing that you've done that you consider to be truly upping your brave? I did a TEDx. Are you familiar with TEDx? Of course we are. Yes. Yeah. So it had been in my heart to do one, but I, um, I felt like I, you know, I mean, I've been speaking for a while, but to pull it together, to put everything that I was feeling in eight minutes. They didn't even give me 15. They gave me eight. And um, to do this TEDx, it's called Unconditional Self-Love, A New Family Paradigm, to really be a voice on a new way of being on our planet was huge for me. And, And what was really huge was having to do it in that eight minutes, because I usually have bullet points, and then I just talk and let spirit guide me. But they wanted it to the to the second. They wanted it word by word. And so that was a challenge, but it was such an amazing experience. So yes, I upped my game with that. And you have to stay on that little red carpet circle. That's not a problem. That's not a problem for me. I mean, I've worked in television and stuff. That is not the problem. It was just this timing and getting it all and everything I wanted to say. So yeah, that was interesting. That's amazing. We would love to put the the replay, the link to that up. In fact, so this audio, if you're listening now and you want to share it with a friend, um, it ends up where all our replays do on the website. But Terry, please remind me and I'll also put the link to your TED Talk. That'd be great. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Amazing. All right. What is one thing on your bucket list, something you'd love to do, be, or experience that the Reality Check Radio community can possibly help you with? Well, I don't know if you can help me writing a number one New York Times bestseller, but that <laughs> is on my bucket list. And that is, that's what's percolating right now is this next book. And the reason to be the a number one New York Times bestseller, it's not about for me, because I had to really look at this. It's like, am I looking this for the notoriety or am I looking, is there a different reason? And there was some shifting in consciousness. It was like, if you're a number one New York Times bestselling writer, it means people are reading the message. Yeah. People are getting the seeds planted. So <laughs> right now you can just send some good vibes to me <laughs> to help me write the book. And uh and then, of course, you know, follow me on social media. Go to our, my website. You know, I've got a some e, uh, a free book ebook called uh, "Women Leaders of Love." If you want to get that with some guided meditations at terrybrit.com forward slash leaders, go grab that. Support it. Go support my my um, my TED talk. That would be great. Like it and share. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that does make a difference. Um, and that you just wove so nicely into my next question, which is what is coming up and how can we connect with you? So you just mentioned your website. Are you on YouTube? Are you on Instagram? I am. Those are not my biggest platforms. My uh, my biggest one is Facebook because I have a private community. Perfect. Okay. That uh, is in that. And um, what's wonderful about that is I do a live broadcast every Wednesday called Own Your Worth Wednesdays. 
and people come on and we do live coaching and healing. It's so much fun, lots of shifting and changing. So it's just women leaders of love or at women leaders of love on Facebook. You can watch it on YouTube. I have not been good about nurturing my YouTube channel. There's, It's pretty much dead. I do post things there, but it's not much. And I've had people say, would you please start posting more stuff on YouTube? I'm like, okay. But I have this thing about balance, you know, like mm, I really yes. like my life. And so I just kind of right now, I'm just going, okay, let me just feel where it needs to go. And well, the Facebook group is great because it's somewhere people can go and they can get inspiration weekly. Did you say on Wednesday, women leaders, women, women leaders of love, women, women leaders of love, W-O-M-E-N, women leaders of love. Yes. (laughs) I'm just laughing because it's the, it'll be the accent like mom and mom (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) because we say mom, M-U-M. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you say, exactly. yeah, um, amazing. Okay. And what is coming up for you in the next six months, either in business or your personal life as much as you'd like to say? Oh my goodness. So another thing that I just did was with um, women gone wild is a new book uh, series that's like chicken soup for the soul and women's empowerment. I love that. The wild is an acronym for wealth, intuition, leadership, and diversity. So we just launched the first book, which was on wealth. And it's not not necessarily about money. It's about a new definition of wealth. Um, I am in the second book in intuition, but in the first book, we did um, a big red carpet and I was the one on camera interviewing everyone. And then I actually spoke and did an invitation for women leaders of love. That was really, really powerful. Well, we have The second book will be coming out this year, but I have a lot of stuff going on. I have a feature coming out in Women's Day magazine, um, just all kinds of stuff going on, you know, publicity wise, which is great. Um, And then, of course, the next thing, as I said, is I'm being guided to write my book. So if you know a good literary agent, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) send them my way or a great publisher. That would be amazing. Okay, well, we'll put it out there and we'll see what happens. Before we wrap things up, Terry, is there anything else you'd love to add on the topic of the worthiness quotient or just anything else you want to share with us today? Sure. Your greatest act of service is when you raise your worthiness quotient, when you own your worth, when you claim your crown, when you take back the authority of your life and put yourself in that high vibration and become the, what did you say? The taller than poppy? What was that thing? With the tall poppy syndrome, we call it. The tall poppy syndrome, but it's not a syndrome. It's actually being willing to break conformity. It's being willing to shine and to be an expression of love because when you are that, you are expressing love. So I want to invite you to get rid of that belief and that fear and instead say, yeah, I am going to be that tall poppy. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to do it differently because maybe, just maybe, then we can all become tall poppies together. Let's do it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Thank you so much. You've been listening, everybody, to Terry Britt here on Reality Check Radio. Thanks, Terry. Thank you so much. So many cool concepts there in that discussion, the interview with Terry Britt. She talked about prosperity consciousness, about self-denial equals pain and punishment. Also exploring the concept of winning love and proving worth, proving worth. You can learn more and you can do Terry's quiz, by the way, terrybrit.com slash quiz. I'm going to spell it again for you. T-E-R-R-I, so Terry, Britt, B-R-I-T-T dot com slash quiz. 
And you can go to her page. You can learn all about her. Of course, she's got an amazing Women Leaders of Love Facebook group that you can join as well. And so just reflecting on your own life and your own worthiness. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to the Up Your Brave show here on Reality Check Radio. Natalie Cutler-Welsh here and so honored today to be chatting with J.H.B. Edmonds, also known as Hone. Um, We're going to be diving into a deep topic. We're talking about healing the psychology of man. Hone, welcome to the show. Thank you, Natalie. It's been a, it's a pleasure to be here. So thrilled to talk to you. And I'm going to read out a bio. It's quite long. So just you just relax and get comfortable. I'm going to, um, for those that haven't heard of Hone Edmonds, I'll read a little bit of background and then he's going to elaborate on that. And we're going to dive in. So um, Hay House Balboa author, wilderness adventure and spiritual teacher, J.H.B. Edmonds, or simply Hone died after his heart suddenly stopped on Thursday, the 13th of November, 2008. He returned after being resuscitated and waking from a coma. What makes his story so fascinating is that Hone's after-death experience is considered to be one of the longest in the world He was as he was dead without a heartbeat um, for almost half an hour. After going into the coma, doctors told his family to say their last farewells. Prior, he had received eight defibrillation shocks with electrical burns to his chest, a multitude of drugs, three shots of adrenaline to his heart, massive brain damage and broken ribs, and a split sternum. Weeks later, his emaciated and brain-damaged body miraculously awoke. Unable to walk properly, he began retracing the, the contrast of his scattered past life and journey beyond the mystical realm he had ventured through. Um, it was while journeying there that the truth and his purpose was finally revealed. Featuring on shows and interviews worldwide and coming from the same publishing house as the late Louise Hay, Deepak Chopra, the late Dr. Wayne Dyer, and Doreen, Doreen Virtue, Hone travels the world conducting silent satsang, meditations, silent retreats, and wilderness retreats. Hone's story, as he shares in his first book, Beyond the Horizon, Into the Light, Return from Death, is absolutely extraordinary. His entire life is held in his backpack. He has not owned a watch, oh, me neither, um, a television or credit card or a mobile phone, and owns just two pairs of hiking sandals and a paddleboard. Coming from a farming and business background to now traveling the planet, Hone assists those who seek the answers to their own lives, such as who am I? What is my soul purpose? What is death? What is life? What is the meaning? What is my purpose and existence, love, passion, healing, relationships, God, religion, cultural conditioning, ancestral healing, fear, and more? The wisdom which he espouses from deep within his conscious knowing is something that was activated since his journey from the other side. He holds this gift preciously, and in doing so, he helps others to unlock that very same presence peace and understanding in themselves. Hone is releasing his next book later this year entitled Alone, 21 Days in the Wilderness, and his next book entitled Healing the Psychology of Man. His passion is suicide prevention, healing from addictions, and healing from ancestral trauma. He established in co-opt a global support network for men entitled Men of Aroha, meaning love, or simply MOA. Devoting himself to a plant-based vegan lifestyle, Hone resides in Bodrum, Turkey, and in Aotearoa, New Zealand. 
Oh my goodness, Hone, what a welcome for you. And it's such a, such a huge, intense story that, you know, such a path that you've been walking. And I think timing wise for our audience, after the craziness of the last three years, people are starting to more and more question, who am I? What am I here for? And I'm so thrilled that you're going to be shining some light on that with us today. Thank you, Natalie. Is there anything else before we dive in? Because I do have a few questions to start us off. Is there anything else you can share with us with regards to your backstory, your journey? Do you want to comment on what I just read out? Uh, well, when I first uh, woke from the coma, I didn't wake up feeling like I'm appearing or um, as people are hearing my voice now, it was a very, very slow process of rehabilitation for five years, learning to walk again and to regather my steps of my past because I'd lost 10 years of my memory uh, prior to uh, falling into the coma. So everything that... Uh, I was used to in those 10 years before I collapsed were totally a blank. So anyone that I'd met in that 10 years, uh, what my work was, working in the corporate field, um, yeah, people that I'd known for that period of time, I just didn't know them from a bar of soap. So uh, that was very uh, constricting for me at that point and um, being able to handle my world being able to see um, dead people and spirits for um, for a period of time and not handling, not knowing or having the skills to being able to handle seeing spirits. And uh, so I, I owe a debt of gratitude and thanks to um, a number of people, particularly Sue Nicholson, who I hold dear to my heart. So uh, that's pretty much what my life was um, at that time of, of getting back uh, onto my feet again. Um, but it was a beautiful time as well too, just the gratitude of being able to be alive again. So. What a fusion, that's right, of uh, gratitude and then also this, I imagine, loneliness, loneliness, especially when people from your life, did they come forward and try to prompt your memory and try to tell you about the things you did together and you just couldn't remember? Yes, often... <laughs> <laughs> but it got to the point where it was, uh, I, I think a lot of it came back uh, when I saw a photograph or mm. of, of a certain place, or if the person that I couldn't remember would explain how they knew me, and uh, it would slowly come back in, in a clouded version. And so I try not to get too uptight about it now because uh, that's all part of life. And um, I kind of just live my life in the present now and um, just uh, just go just go forward from today, from from the now. So yeah, given life's, given life's... that huge exactly, given that huge journey and everything that all of us have been through in the last three years. Do you have any kind of, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but, you know, words of wisdom or any message that you want to share with our audience and particularly our a Kiwi audience here in New Zealand, but of course people will be listening to this from all over the world. Do you have a message that you want to share with us given what you've been through? And I know now you're living quite a minimalist lifestyle. What would you love us to know or be aware of? Uh, you're talking about the previous three years just gone? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the... Uh, well, I think it, it's it's been a trying period for 
a lot of Kiwis, but I think for a lot of people in the, particularly in the Western world, have had to uh, to cope with the restrictions that were placed on us in terms of the uh, lockdowns and the so-called pandemic. And uh, for me, it didn't uh, affect me too much because um, prior to the just prior to the pandemic uh, occurring, I I spent uh, a good part of a year in that pandemic just living alone in the forest and mm. wilderness. So uh, the, the the forest is uh, it doesn't change. Mm. I mean, it's it's that culmination of chaos in 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 the forest and nature and beauty rolled in one. But that that has persisted for centuries and so I was quite adapted to living in that way and I really had this aversion to looking at a television or hearing news so-called news on on the radio and television and I kept myself completely away from from all that because of uh the fact that I just wanted to live completely in purity, and uh, and I pretty much still live that in that realm now, just to just to keep as uh, uncontaminated as possible by living predominantly my life predominantly in amongst nature. Well, I mean, nature is so powerful, and I know. Um... You know, just being in nature, a lot of people are talking about more and more grounding, you know, forest bathing, things like that. Um, but you definitely are living a very minimalist lifestyle. Um, how has that how has that changed your ability to, I guess, just really hone in on what's important to you, like you said, and not be distracted and not dilute your energy? Well, personal opinion nature for me is 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 pure uh as i said before it can it it also has chaos in a forest uh, I, I touch on s certain stories in alone uh in one of my books of of how chaotic it can be uh how much work is involved living in nature and uh but also how pure it can be in nature as well too um there's no corruption. It's unpolluted in, the, in mm. the sense that the stars look incredible at night time. The birds sing beautifully at 4.30 in the morning when, when I wake up. Uh, you get to, to live in tune with nature in the sense that when the sun goes down, I'm generally asleep within an hour after the sun goes down and when the birds start quietening down for the night and I wake up when the birds wake up and to be in that m modality of existence I can be uh, uh, in touch with nature and living naturally in nature in nature's own uh, I won't say time but in its own in its own course of existence and i just love that extraordinarily 
Mm, yeah, the rhythm of nature. So the topic today is healing the psychology of man, also the title of your upcoming book. I imagine mm. nature is part of that. What else is part of that process? What else is going to help to heal the psychology of man? Well, I guess in, a, in, in, in essence, man either has to come to this conjuncture by looking in the mirror and saying, is my life in conflict? now and if it is in conflict now what is the course of action or what is the remedies available to me to being able to completely eliminate conflict from my life mm. uh, i think personal experience for me was waking from the coma i mean you're in a hospital and so you can't help but see a television screen and i remember when i first saw a television screen after being on my journey and coming up coming back here i was just totally re repulsed by just mm. the energy that came out of a television and i think that the the blessing from that was um i didn't need to um constrain my myself and my life to to being in in that field of of a television and being um manipulated or in any way by the television and uh and from that i kind of was lured more and more to things that were that involved that had more purity to it and i found it very difficult to meet with so-called aligned souls that understood not only myself and my journey but also understood this new path that i wanted to embark on and it was very much similar to the path that they were also on as well which is a path of growth uh, a path of surrender a path of curiosity for life itself and a path of uh innocence mm -hmm. so almost like a child uh, learning in life and in a way we deeply down deep down we are a child learning through this process of life itself and this um inordinate ability to doubt anything that came came your way and if there was no subsistence to whatever it was just being able to let it pass by and not not being able to grasp grasp onto it and and to um to go into a a waste time wasting dialogue with it because as i say uh, we <clears throat> we're our object is to avoid conflict in our lives and conflict can come into our lives in various ways, um, personally, spiritually, religiously, energetically. Um, and uh, the television is, is, is another way of being able to, to distract us. And um, so it, it's very complex, but if you can see it for what it is, 
you're able to just let it go by and um, just remain in that place of staidness, of stillness, of balance, and of harmony. Yes, because, I mean, there's no shortage of opportunities to take the bait as such in terms of conflict, especially when one does have the TV going. Um, but I guess you're advising maybe it's more a matter of I, what came to mind for me is like a river flowing past, like observing, just observe and allow it to flow on. But you don't need to, you know, jump in the river as such. Very much so. Um, it's actually you you touched on it beautifully is the fact that it's like jumping in the river and just letting the river take you down and just going with the flow. Mm. And it's so critically important is being able to go in the in that flow um, and um, seeing them as like clouds in the sky rather than uh, getting ourselves into a dialogue with whatever it is in life. We just see it for what it is from an observatory point of view and just let them go past. Mm -hmm. Because they will change. You know, a few minutes later, things will change like the clouds do. They look different. All right. So for those of you listening, we're getting a bit deep and meaningful today. And I'd love to hear some feedback or if you're willing to ask yourself this question um, in my life, you know, what is what is the conflict at the moment? Is there conflict in my life right now? Um, and what is the course of action or, as Hone says, the remedy? Um, ask, you can ask yourself or you can even get in touch with us and let us know what reflections you've had coming up so far from our conversation. And as it continues, you can send us a text, 2057, or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. You were talking about televisions, and it made me think of you know all the things that we've got going on, like the computers and inventions, rockets and robots and, and whatnot. Um mm. So we've got all these things, you know, these mechanical mechanisms and, and whatever, which are designed, I suppose, to make our life easier or better in some way. But, but yet men, man, men and women, we uh, continue to kind of suffer and struggle and, and f- fight each other and worry and stress. I mean, you know, what's what's it all about? <clears throat> well, this is a question that, I get asked often is, is um, uh, you know, will AI, will the computer enhance my life for the better? Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess when we look at our lives over the last several decades, uh, we've become a species of accumulation. Uh, We love to acquire things, whether it's, uh, you know, we acquire a home and then we want a bigger home. We acquire a vehicle, we want two vehicles, or we want the next model. There's anything that's in fashion that we just want to be able to have the nicest of shoes, the nicest of clothes, and you're constantly keeping up with the Joneses and... Uh, with the way that humanity is 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 going and so in that there comes a cost because with that cost it's maintenance maintaining these things that we have gathered or, or man has gathered and then having to work harder to be able to buy the next new fashion 
for their life. And so all that expectation and stress that's placed onto the psyche of man, it becomes irreverently true in their eyes that they must have this and they they must find the right person in their life or they uh, must acquire more and more of these accumulations to bring the sense of so-called happiness into their life and so it's almost like doing the moon dance they're ma- they're making steps forward mm. but they're not they're not moving anywhere because they're having to work so much harder to acquire the the things in their life to give them this short-lived sense of so-called happiness. And, and then does it then lead to perpetual dissatisfaction because they just want the next latest and greatest thing? Well, it's the it's the fight or flight syndrome. I, I guess we could. We could see it. Is it the fight or flight syndrome? And and does one need to work more and more to uh, to find that sustenance of happiness that we're looking for in our life too, or do we just come to a part of surrender and say, I give up this rat race. I give up the opinions of trying to live in the eyes of others um i just want to live from another place and that place that i want to live from completely is from the heart and and when we come to that conjecture in ourselves to being able to say i don't care what the world thinks of my journey i'm i feel my truth involves now here going forward is just coming from this place within and it's a big step for a lot of people and i understand what it can be like for 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 those that are coming into the the stream of awakening because it can be a lonely path at times um it was a it, it was a deeply uh uh there was a, many times i was alone but i never felt loneliness and so in that i didn't i i just continued on uh and it was quite it, the wondrous thing about it is that going out into that world in my aloneness in my so-called truth following what was deep within rather than the expectations of others the doors of abundance actually just opened and I've actually just had the most incredible life over these last, you know, 15 or so years since then um, that I could never have imagined in, in a thousand years. It's just been an extraordinary life. And um, I, I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that uh, I just chose to follow that that yearning within yeah, well, you use the phrase following what what was deep within. And I imagine some of the listeners, because when I hear you say that, I smile. I'm like, I'm happy for you. But also part of me says, um, but how did you know? You know, but how did you know? 
Because so many people make decisions right up in their head. You know, this makes sense. That's a good idea. What's the worst that could happen? Pros and cons. You know, so many people do that, but that's not the way to be led through life. Did you just listen to, did you have a feeling in your body? It was a very strong feeling. Uh, and, And if I wanted to follow my heart, but I didn't, I didn't know what was ahead of me. Uh, I love that feeling because when you go to a place of the unknown, it gives you a sense of enormous vitality and energy and, and aliveness to your life because no one's gone where you've gone. And it's just you and your instincts that are that are working. It's a lot like going out into the into the mountains. Just your backpack and uh, your tent and and and, a, and some food. And you've not done this trail before, and you know that you're going to be spending anything from a couple of days to a couple of weeks alone on on these trails that you've never been on before. And and it's incredible because your instincts and your skills of of, of living in that way, uh, they uh, they come into action, and all of a sudden you know that you you can survive, and in that you see enormous vistas. You experience um, periods in, in the in those times that you spend out in the in the mountains or in the wilderness that you just cannot put a price on it and you just kind of t- touch yourself and you think I can't believe that I'm in this place enjoying this experience had it not been for that deep intuitive want to go out into that great unknown and I love that aspect of life And it's never too late to do that. It's never too late. Uh, I mean, that desire that uh, that burns within now is still prevalent now. And I, I could probably say that that would probably continue on forever in, in my life because... Uh, there is no, there is no um, seeking of wanting to to live in a standard um, matrix style existence anymore because my life doesn't uh, focus around the expectations of others and it doesn't focus around time and time of course means memory and with memory comes. Uh, trauma, suffering, uh, thoughts, and being able to live without without those weighing me down or weighing mankind down, weighing humanity down, life tends to be tremendously full of that vitality that you see when you see a a child playing, a one-year-old and a two-year-old just playing with uh, very, very little, if, if anything, no fear, and this tremendous amount of curiosity towards life and wanting to learn more about life without it being 
polluted by the expectations and the opinions of others. And living in nature definitely is, enables me to live in that way. And it, in a way, too, helps to keep my brain alive because you're having to think outside of the mundane and the dull of life itself, of which life can very well be mundane and dull because it becomes repetitive or repetitious. Uh, each day rolls into the same after another, after another. And, but when you're living in nature, every day is completely different to the day before. Every experience is completely different to the day before. And there's always something new to look forward to. And, and I definitely love that style of life itself. Well, your comments about, you know, Groundhog Day and also about the Matrix will definitely be resonating with a lot of our listeners because a lot of people are now, especially off the back of the last three years. I know I keep mentioning it, but people are now looking for alternate ways to live that are more enriching, more community-based, less reliant on the grid or also less immersed in the Matrix, as you mentioned. How can they get started though? Like if they feel they want to do that and what everything you're saying sounds amazing, but it, what if they're still constricted by, you know, oh, I'd love to do that, but, you know, and then they fill in the blank. What is like an easy first step for someone to move towards a life that they're, they're feeling called to, but they're just too scared to embrace? Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, the, well, the, I, I was, uh, I probably wouldn't recommend doing it. Uh, going in the deep end like I did because <laughs> I, I had I came into the, I came into the world um, full of gusto and uh, and I was uh, you know I, I guess stubborn because I, I, I intuitively I was very very drawn much drawn to when you're being in a hospital for a month and all you hear is the beeping sounds of a machine of machines and in, in, in your next to you your bed and being inside four walls i remember looking outside the window and seeing all the trees of uh, the forest below me from the from the window of my hospital bed and and um i guess you know many readers who have read my first book know that i escaped from hospital three times and uh i was apprehended uh, once or twice trying to escape from hospital and I thankfully I don't remember any of that but if anyone was looking to again as I said before is that being able to look at themselves in the mirror and saying am I living is my life blissful in harmony with with existence itself or am I living stuck in this realm we refer to now as is called the, the matrix and if i am living in conflict in that system mm -hmm. uh, it's obviously not bringing joy it's bringing me enormous heartache but in seeing that and examining that i'm realizing now that my life is ticking away tremendously fast and do I see myself living this matrix existence 
for the next year or 10 years or decades. Or as a man, and I'm saying this to the men out there, am I able to um, say I surrender? Because it's extraordinarily challenging for men to say I surrender, particularly in this country, in New Zealand, because it's all about you've got to be a man, you don't... Uh, you don't uh, just don't follow your feelings you just puff your chest out take a deep breath and get on with it and that's been the 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 the, uh, crutch of of the problems that males have uh, particularly in New Zealand and this is why it has been so evidential in the rates of suicide that we've seen Mm. in this country being the highest in the world and it's and and so for a man to even consider the word surrender it's very very unfamiliar and it's not attractive for a man to come to that point of surrender but from from a point of well if if it means changing and to be the man that you truly are there's nothing wrong with surrendering because there's nothing wrong with going down a path that's not conducive to your own joy, peacefulness and happiness. And we just ter- stop and don't go any further and say, where is, is, the, is the path uh, that I should be going on and how do I embark on that path? And so to being able to fulfill ourselves in a way that brings uh, such an enlivened sense of vitality to our lives that we may not have experienced that ever in our lives before. And we're coming to that point of, well, how do I go about doing it? Well, for me coming out of the hospital, I already knew what I wanted to do because um, no one could talk to talk me into doing anything because I was such a, I was stubborn as a mule. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, my family would know that, my children would know that, and a lot of my closest friends would know that. And uh, But as the ensuing weeks and months and years went on, they realised that the, the path that I did choose following my heart was, was the right one. And I'm not saying that it's always right. I mean, there are challenges that I come across, uh, but nothing like the challenges that others would uh, face when they're confronted with those challenges living in the matrix. And so mine was just a very, very quick change. Uh, and But for those that have come to that realisation of, do I see myself in the same rut, in the same dull, monotonous routine uh, in the next five or ten years as i been experiencing in the last five or 10 or 20 or 30 years mm. and if, if 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 it is a yes then the change is required and so in order to make that change rather than doing it overnight just like I did um uh, I've learned this this uh saying they say in in, in Turkey um where I lived there since 2017, uh, they, they say this beautiful saying, and it's just, yavash, yavash, 
And yavash yavash just simply means just to take it slowly, slowly, and take each step, cautious step, one at a time. And it's a gradual change. So um, it, it, it could be uh, looking at my vocation or looking at yeah, the vo their vocation, their career, is it take is it fulfilling them or change it? Uh, is my house over ex uh, extravagant? Is the way that I'm living extraordinarily over the top um, uh, full of attachments, things that I'm having that I bought that I don't use anymore? You know, and just cutting those out of your life and they're just doing just addressing each one of those um strings that are pulling us down that are tying us up and designing your life a little bit like an artist you know is drawing a, a magnificent masterpiece on a canvas and then redesigning that life bit by bit by bit because the masterpiece isn't isn't painted overnight masterpiece can take months and so it's being able to making the change but also being aware of the 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 it's a little bit like an addiction is that i know that i'm going to feel a sense of sadness if i get rid of this uh, jet ski that's been sitting in my mm -hmm. In my in my garage for years, I've never I've only used it once, and then and then knowing that there's probably going to be a period of of mourning of sadness, getting rid of it, and then all of a sudden you think I feel better afterwards getting rid of that, and I'm getting rid of this, and I'm getting rid of this, and getting rid of that, but also uh, being aware too of the vacuum that 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 it's leave it's like a gaping hole and thinking I need to fill it with something else. Mm. What well, the object is not to fill it with anything. It's to being able to live with that um essence of space and spaciousness. And there's we don't see, we don't feel that 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 emptiness, that spaciousness within our lives because we tend to want to cram it up with having to doing things all the times and we're not we, we have to remind ourselves that we're not human doings all the time because this is what humans tend to be uh convoluted with is the fact that they always want to be doing something for the future and doing something for the future but not, not living in the present moment of now and realizing well, what is causing this urge to wanting to always live in the future that doesn't arrive anyway and much of that is driven that energy is is driven by fear the f the fear of the unknown what we were just talking about before and so i always say just take take the stages of of coming out of the matrix going into the world i mean i'm very blessed to be living in a world that's so-called off the grid uh, I, I don't want to be a part of of living in that old world that I used to 
Delvin you know, 15 years ago and uh, and to live in this the stream of existence now is uh, is exactly what I wanted to create in, in designing my own masterpiece. Um, but just it's it's good to have some somebody uh, to be there as a coach, just to check mm. in, just say, "Am I doing okay here? Do I need to make any tweaks here?" And um, and as we say, "Yavash yavash," to take it slowly, slowly. And and your journey as you live in I think three different countries over the year and you you move around. Have you met some amazing people that that have similar views and values, or they're on a similar um, path as you in terms of living more simply, living more by what you feel guided to do rather than expectations of others? I wish I did. <laughs> uh, I've. I probably I've only met um, I've only met two people that live in the life that I live uh, in the last fifteen years, and then my dear friends, uh, Mariam Lancewood and Peter Rain, and they live full time in the wilderness and travelled the world. I've spent a bit of time with those guys. Um, there's another family that I know of that have lived much longer, probably close to 35 years, uh, completely off the grid and um, far, far away from any other humans. I think the closest humans to them is 40 kilometers and there's no roads to get to their home. Mm. Uh, you've got to walk for, for two days uh, to, to get to their home. Uh, I've always had a dream to meeting this particular family. Um, but in terms of meeting anyone else that uh, lives uh, a similar way of life to me, it's only just been two people, and that's been um, Peter and Miriam. Uh, but there are definitely a number of people that are living self-sufficiently off the grid. Yes, and those numbers are uh, definitely on the rise. They definitely are, and it's just a joy to see, particularly over the events of the last three years. I've got a question before I go to the the four questions that I ask all my guests. Do you feel that mankind, you know, have we evolved as such um, with everything that, that's going on and all the things? Have we actually evolved spiritually? I would have hoped we'd, we've evolved in the last few years, but what do you see? Man has devolved. Mm -hmm. They haven't evolved. We man might look at themselves. He might see himself as uh, accomplished him or herself in the educational fields, uh, but they've sacrificed themselves to living in a lineal existence following a certain path, uh, following a certain way of life, which means a system. Uh, and uh, so in terms of that question, nor do I think mankind should be called mankind because man has seen over many, many decades 
is that they have invented they have they've uh, invented things like the wheel the motor vehicle the advances in science and surgeries that could never have been achieved 100 years ago or longer but in so doing the mind of man has also created the atomic bomb the missile systems the poisons that have then gone on to create tremendous devastation and harm and suffering to innocent human beings so when i hear that word mankind being used i kind of cringe i can feel the hair standing up and up and what on my back not that i have here growing on my back but i can just feel the shivers when i hear that word because we have to ask ourselves is is man kind in the way that he treats another sentient being and i'm talking not just humans i'm talking about animals i'm talking about nature the trees mother earth itself the waters the air and it's been quite demonstrative what man has done in the world with the intelligence that he has obtained over these last 100 or more years and so the evolution of man has been uh, an incredible exchange for a certain system that they've been taught from childbirth that you're not good enough and so you need to go to school to become something and in that doing when you have either failed or you've become something you then have to go to a university and become something and at university and, and if you don't achieve anything worthwhile in university or you may dislike the degree or the uh or the honors that you're going forward on and you decide you want to have a change it's just you just find yourself coming and hitting a brick wall because with that comes an enormous amount of other expectations being able to live in that lifestyle of this career that you now have your hands and so uh, it's always going to be a to and fro that when you uh, follow a system you then don't have those you don't have the freedom anymore to be able to look down on your world and see the world from 360 degrees all you're seeing is the world that you've been indoctrinated in which of course is a linear world of of, of systems and processes um, exactly and it's and a brilliant time for people to think about as you as you phrased it so well the the masterpiece the artwork and how they would love to redesign maybe maybe their life um, with some of the things we've discussed in mind. And that's why I love talking to you today, Hone, and also so many other guests. There's intertwining um, themes coming in. So for those of you listeners, if you missed my episode where we talked about the school system, um, I interviewed Karen Tui-Boys. You can check out her interview and also the Empowering Men 
um, show that we did related to some of the themes that have cropped up today in this very in-depth and um, philosophical discussion that we're having here with J.H.B. Edmonds, Hone Edmonds. Hone, I'd love to ask you at this point the up your brave question. Um, what is something you've done in the last year where you've truly upped your brave? Um, in the last year, I think one of the the greatest things I've done in this last year, and, and it might be just something that's quite common to, to many people, is the fact that, you know, I grew up on a farm, so I'm, I'm actually a farm boy. We still have our family farm back in Hawke's Bay. And... Um, we grew up milking cows and sheep and horses and um and in that we we would raise these enormous gardens of growing our own food and so um i've in the last year i've really got into getting back in my my fingers in the earth and and growing and and one of the reasons I suppose it's been uh, a, a real um, incentive for me is the fact that I don't really trust the foods that we buy in the, in the fruit and veggie sections of, of supermarkets anymore, unless it's organic. And so mm. I've, I've wanted to grow my own food that's um, not genetically modified and not sprayed with so much um, chemicals that um, are so prevalent now in the world. And for me, that's been a really big one for me. And and I'm, you know, even though we did gardening as um, in, in our youth, uh, I'm finding even now that I'm still learning more and more. And it's been quite an exciting um, adventure for me to to uh, get my fingers into the soil and and watching uh, the 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 work and effort that I put into growing the food here on our piece of land here and that's been wonderful that is that's awesome and again many people have also been embracing gardens and a bit more of farming um and and similar concerns you know around what are they literally what are they feeding us not just on the on the computer not just on the television what are they feeding us but at the grocery store what are they feeding us lots of concerns um what about the bucket list what is one thing that you would love to do be or experience that we can possibly help you with uh, on the bucket list, I mean, this is something that's kind of uh, when you told me that question straight away, my my unticked bucket desire, bucket list desire came straight ahead, and that was um, to being able to uh, build a forest school mm. for children and um, to take children out into the real classroom, which is out into nature and. Uh, I've been uh, fortunate enough to uh, to meet several families uh, who are, are doing that. Um, and uh, would that be in New Zealand or one of the other countries? I, I, I ultimately would it would be lovely to have it here in this country, but I can't see any reason why it couldn't happen in another part of the world as well. Too um, the so uh, I th you'll find that, you know, for, for me, I, you know, we learned a lot growing up on our farm in nature, um, and, and it was a 
it was a sincere blessing to to be raised on a, in nature and we learned so many skills uh growing up on 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 the farm and it wasn't until i actually moved into the city that i realized my friends who had lived grew up in the city didn't have that experience and weren't able to didn't have the skills to, necessary to be able to to grow food or to learn about nature to learn about biology to learn about the our deep deep connection to uh not just nature but also just to the stars and knowing that we are this um we are the universe we are the world itself we are the godliness within ourselves but we and when you're when you're living in in a uh, a linear world within the matrix all you see yourself as being uh, a slave to the system and uh, to raise children in that uncontaminated that pure harmony of of learning in nature they just want to gobble everything down and learn and learn and learn and, and i just love seeing the enthusiasm that children have on their faces when they are out in nature and for me being in a classroom situation was just not conducive whatsoever to my happiness and so i'm, I'm probably uh, speaking on behalf of a majority of the world in that regard well, the, there's so much concern at the moment with some of the things that are being taught in schools. Um, so especially the curriculum, the sex ed class, we've covered that in a few of my shows. So I think more and more people are homeschool is on the rise, but forest school, nature school, definitely. I know there's some some stuff like that in New Zealand. Um, I don't know the extent of it or what age. I think it's mainly for the younger ages, but what a great vision. So if anyone's listening and you want to help Hone to create that um, reality, building a forest school, you can get in touch with him um, or get in touch with us and we'll pass the message on. What is coming up for you in the next six months and how can people connect with you if they do want to reach out and be in touch or buy your book? uh in the next six months really i'm actually building a little um wee cabin and so that's been my little project that uh, i've been working on over the last few months and and over the next few months we'll be to bring that into uh realization i'm not talking about a house it's just something that's uh maybe just a little bit posher than what than the tiny little cabin that I have in the forest here. <laughs> and uh, so I'm looking forward to that project. And uh, what was the other question? You How can people find you? How can they buy your book? And how can they connect with you online? Oh, yes. Okay, right. Well, I've just, um, I need to change my bio because it said I haven't had a phone for a number of years and I've just bought one. And uh uh, so I've set up a Instagram page, and so I'm JHB Edmonds on Instagram or uh, on my author page, which is on Facebook. Uh, I can be contacted there as well too. On the Facebook, is it JHB Edmonds again? JHB Edmonds, author, spiritual teacher. 
Amazing. Okay. We will put those links, everybody, on the replay page. But if you're listening and you want to go right now, you can look him up on Instagram and send Hone a message. Uh, Before we wrap it up, Hone, is there anything else you'd love to share with our audience today? I think think the main thing is to first ask ourselves the question, am I truly happy in my life if it's yes then go ahead if you if one can stand in in front of the mirror and say i'm actually feeling like i'm in a rut or my relationship with myself or my relationship with my other my partner or my relationship with my life in general needs serious looking at it needs to be examined seriously then it needs 100% commitment towards achieving that goal of being able to attain that timeless, joyful, balanced, harmonic life that every sentient being on this earth seeks. And to not just uh, play with it, or experiment with it or or to maybe just do it on a part-time i think it's important that we put serious focus 100 percent focus into that objective to extrapolate ourselves away from the grind or the relationship that i'm in to find that perfect balance of joyfulness and peacefulness and stillness and timelessness because we're talking about here uh, living our life and without the watch without a watch without anything that's holding us back even releasing ourselves from the memories of our suffering and to give it forgive forgiveness and light and love to that for it to enable us to embark on that journey going forward and to give it great attention. Brilliant. Such wise words. Thank you, Hone, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Natalie. It was just a pure joy to be on the show and uh, just want to thank the audience for um, taking the time out to listen. Amazing. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We've been talking to J.H.B. Edmonds, Hone Edmonds, Healing the Psychology of Man. Thanks. I made so many notes. You guys should see my piece of paper. I made so many notes during that interview. Um, I'm going to highlight a few points that I made, but I wanted to do a quick shout out to my beautiful friend, Marihera Annex, who introduced me to Hone. She also introduced me to another previous guest, Matthew Tehuki, who is an amazing musician. In fact, I did a little um, post on my Facebook page the other day, Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh, and I did a little shout out to him. He's got a tour on at the moment all across New Zealand. So if you want to go and um, attend that and and listen to his amazing music, then um, go ahead and have a look there. Uh, But back to my interview with Hone, wow, what an incredible man and what an incredible journey. In this interview, we talked about chaos and beauty, the power of living in nature, the question, who would I be and how would I feel if I surrendered instead of soldiering on? And also asking yourself, is my life in conflict now? What is the course of action or the remedy? 
and the biggie. Am I truly happy in my life? I do believe that we have the power to shift um, how we feel, not just with mindset things, but actually making some actual active changes, some proactive changes in our life and how we're interacting and showing up in the world. So I'm hoping that both of these interviews so far today, um, and if you're just tuning in, we had previously, we had Terry Britt, we've just had Hone Edmonds. Um, we were talking about healing the psychology of man. So thank you so much for joining us. RCR is on a mission to revive Honest Media. And now you too can be an integral part of it by joining the RCR Foundation Members Club. Receive exclusive benefits only available to club members, including your own backstage pass to join the hosts for interactive behind-the-scenes discussions, along with our all-new daily curated news summary, RCR Bytes, that's delivered to your email box every morning, keeping you on the pulse of the news that matters in just a few minutes per day. To find out more, visit realitycheck.radio slash members to see how you can join the mission that's making a difference. Making a difference. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. You're listening to Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And my next guest is the amazing Ina Neal. We're going to be talking about the importance of us doing the deep inner healing. And for those of you that haven't met Ina before, it, Ina, am I saying your name right? Ina. You are. Great. <laughs> Ina is the founder of Ina um, Inner Enlightened. She is a wisdom transformational life guide, mentor, spiritual guide, and healer. For the last decade, she's been supporting children, teens, parents, and individuals to become self-aware of who they are, awaken to their unique gifts, and heal and transmute trauma so that they get to let go of what no longer serves them and live in their natural state of peace and joy to rise to their natural state of living in their true self and sharing those gifts with the world. She does this through experiential and compassion journeys that she takes you through to realize how you can become empowered and being the person you were born to be. Well, Ina, it's so amazing to have you here on Reality Check Radio. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. It's it's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. I know that I've chatted to you and interviewed you multiple times over the years, um, but it's exciting to bring you to this audience because this topic today, which is the importance of us doing deep inner healing, will be very new to some people and very familiar to others. Mm -hmm. So um, what I'd love to do is before we dive into that topic, can you give us a paint us a little picture, give us a little backstory of how you got to where you are today doing this work? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Um, so kind of in a nutshell, um, you know, about 10 years ago, um, I was a mom. I'm still a mom of four children. Back then, I had two teenagers and two very young children. I have quite a big gap between the two. Um, and I was finding that life was just really hard. Um, what I, re I was also studying for a mental health diploma. I have a background in psychology as well. And um, what I was finding is, is that I was experiencing deep depression, but I was extremely high functioning in it. And so I'd wake up in the morning, um, still waking up my children for school, um, communicating with my family, being a stay-at-home mom, doing all the things that I did, but everything felt really, really hard. Um, you know, dishes, doing dishes felt really hard. And that's okay, except when 
um, I had this deep, deep belief that everything felt really hard. And so even though doing dishes wasn't a big deal, right? Who cares if I think that doing dishes is hard? But what, what, how it was impacting my life was that my relationships with my children were really hard. And my relationships with my partner was really hard. And ultimately, my relationship with life felt really hard. In other words, I did get up. I did do laundry. I did clean. I did take them to school. But I didn't want to do it. Mm. And so I found myself constantly asking this question, if this is it, I actually don't want to be here. But I had nowhere else to go because I knew that everybody else in my life needed me. Um, and with that, I remember that, you know, my teenagers would kind of hide away in their rooms every time I'd open up my mouth. Um, my young children were experiencing lots of heavy emotion. And I didn't know this, but they were trying to unconsciously awaken me so that I started to do my own healing. And um, um, I had this beautiful um day that um I woke up one morning and for the first time my mind was completely silent and I think so many of the listeners can can um, relate to this where the mind is constantly speaking 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 whether it's mm, saying statements like this is so hard or they need to change if they changed I would feel better but this morning, this particular morning was very different for me. And it was silent for the first time. And there was a um there was a familiarity to that silence, but it was something that I don't ever remember experiencing. And so when I experienced that silence, I had this other question come up for me. And that question was, what if you're doing this all wrong? Now I know now that there is no right or wrong or good or bad. Um, but back then, it was the only way that I can hear what was coming up. And I thought, well, I'm going to entertain that question, because I'm always talking to myself anyway. And I asked, if I'm doing it all wrong, um, how do I do it right? And do it meaning life? Um, and this book had popped up for me. I had it on my bookshelf for as long as I can remember. And it was a book by Wayne Dyer. And um, I, I'm probably going to mess up the title, but it was first, you must believe it before you can see it. Um, and I went to my bookshelf and I had a look at it. And I popped on a YouTube video about, you know, where Wayne Dyer was just sharing something. And I sat down on my couch and for six hours, I didn't get up. And something began to resonate with me. It was like my soul began to say, just start listening to this, just start working through this. And that was really the pivotal moment to me choosing to dive in um, to my healing, to my awakening, to my realizing that um, it's not about what's going on outside of me. It's about who am I being on the inside that is actually projecting out and showing me the evidence of what's going on within me. It's like the law of resonance, right? What I am resonating as is what I am emitting out into the world through my relationships, through my life, the way that I interact with my life. 
And as I began to dive in with many, many different teachers, and I began to heal and recognize that there was trauma that I was holding on in my life. And, you know, and this trauma was actually constantly speaking to me. And I was listening to it as though it was my truth. I was realizing, manifesting, creating that trauma in my life through my relationships, um, through 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 the way that I experienced life. Everything just felt hard. I remember at one point, my husband goes to me, I was doing the dishes, going back to the dishes, and I was doing them, and I was mumbling something. And he looked at me and he said, why do you always say that? And I was like, what did I say? He said that this is so hard. I didn't even realize that I was constantly speaking it out loud. Reasserting and recreating. Yeah. And so from that point, when you realized, you know, reading that Wayne Dyer um, book and realizing that you'd kind of been playing a part in, in recreating that, then how did you turn things around or was it more of a gradual process? Mm. Um, I guess it was both. It felt like something within me completely changed trajectory. It was like I had this huge opening to a voice within me that I haven't been able to hear um, for a really long time and didn't even recognize that it even existed for me. And that voice now knowing was my highest, greatest self this part of me that is whole, this part of me that is complete, this part of me that has forever guided me in all my experiences, but I quieted it down. So from that perspective, it was a almost like a miracle in shift in trajectory. Um, but that shift didn't take away that I needed to keep choosing this healing, that I needed to be uh, continuously choosing to be guided by that voice and recognizing the difference between um, what the mm, wounded part is and what this highest self is. And as I began to choose it over and over again, um, it became easier to choose it over and over again. And I always say at this point in my life, because, um, you know, who knows what's going to keep unfolding in my life. But at this point in my life, I can say that there's no exit ramp to this inner healing work because life is always showing me evidence of what more is wanting to be seen and compassionately let go of so that I can step into the truth, my natural state of who and what I want to be in my life. And of course, ultimately be able to serve from that place. And the more I listened, the more this path unfolded. And um, yeah, that's, that's how I started to actually do the work in the world as well. You know, I think it's divine timing that we're having this conversation now on this topic now. And we've we've had to delay this interview a couple times. So it is divine timing um, because just recently, uh, you know, it's been 8-8 Lions Gate. And I do believe from, I think it's July 27, late July to August um, 12, you know, mid-August is the Lions Gate, which in my understanding is a wonderful time to 
kind of reimagine how you want to be in this world, kind of re a lot of people are reevaluating their purpose, you know, their, their role, their job, and also a great time time to release and to heal. Um, and so I'm so excited for some of the wisdom you're going to, well, raising this topic and some of the wisdom you're going to share with our audience today around this topic of healing. Something you mentioned, Ina, was, you know, you re- realized it was time for you to quote unquote, do your own healing. If someone's listening and they go, okay, I've heard about this healing. I've heard about quote unquote, doing the work, but how do I do it? Like, mm. what do I do? Can you give us some kind of, well, I guess, first of all, what does it mean by doing your own healing? and what is a great starting point for someone if they're like, okay, I'm ready. What is it? And I know there's probably a few options, but how do they start? Yeah. Great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, So, you know, firstly, when you don't know how to do it, um, uh, it feels so big and so daunting. And um, the reason, the reason is, you know, in, in the work that I do is I don't give, um, I don't give opinions or suggestions. What I do is I hold a space to be able to help you to uncover the who you are. And the reason why that is so important, because it's always going to be unique to you, to how you step in to this path of awakening, of healing, of recognizing the voices, the voice of, oh, this is the, you know, some people call it the ego, I call it the wounded part. And so um, recognizing, oh, there's that wound. And then we're also at the same time recognizing, and then when I can heal that wound, there's this part of me that is actually loud and clear. And so the first thing I would say is, A, reach out to someone that you know is already on that path. So for me in that moment, it was Wayne Dyer. Right. As the path continued to open up for me, I started to follow other teachers that I felt called to listen to. And those that didn't resonate, throw them away. And those that do resonate, dive in a little bit deeper. Um, And then I began to actually reach out to real life people, not just on YouTube, not that the people on YouTube aren't real life, but ones that I know that can hold that safe space that are already doing the work. So that would be number one, because we only know what we know in each moment. And when we know more, we do more. And we are we are human beings that are supposed to be connecting with each other. We're human beings that are supposed to be in the space and the energy and the conversations with those that resonate for us. So recognize that you're not alone and ask those open questions. Who is resonating for me now that I'd like to come in and ask that question? Um, And then the other thing that I'd love to share, and this is a little bit more practical of what you can start right now doing in this moment. Um, And this comes from the perspective of, again, going back to those wounds, right? Going back to that trauma that we pick up. Those wounds are constantly speaking to us. Now, those wounds um, were created, whether it be when we were little children, 
Those wounds were created generationally. An example of that for, you know, to take away the woo-woo out of it is, for example, you know, I was born in the Ukraine. Um, my grandmother was, you know, all my ancestry is from Ukraine. And so back then, I'm now in my 50s, back then, um, you know, in you back then it was the USSR. Are it was a really challenging time. My grandmother had lost both her parents at a very young age. And so she had this trauma in her life and her life's experience where she had to, at 12 years old, become the adult for her younger siblings. Now, um, that trauma stayed with her for the rest of her life. The way that it showed up for me was that my mother, we, we moved to the States when I was two years old. My mother went off to work and for my father as well. And my grandmother was the, 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 you know, the provider for us at home. She was the stay at home mom with us. And I observed her as a young person, as a child, constantly freaking out every time my mother would be home late from work, either even five seconds, right? I watched her starting to pull her hair out of her head. I watched her go into panic attacks until my mom would get home. Now, as a child, I observed it, and there were two ways that I kind of reacted to it. I either laughed it off to say, oh, there we go again, or I would get frustrated with her and, and say, why do you do that? She's going to be home soon. And of course, there were no cell phones back then. And so you just had to sit and wait for her to get home. Um, and what I didn't realize is that I picked up so much of that energy and that fear from my grandmother. And so when I became a mother, unknowingly, every time my kids would step out of the door, going to school or going to be with their friends, I had this mm, wound come up. <gasps> What if I don't see them again? What if this is the last time that I ever see them, right? And so that trauma impacted the way that I parented them, right? So that's what I mean by generational trauma. I picked up her fear. But then I had other traumas where I- And can I just jump in, Ina, because so a generational trauma, also known as ancestral trauma- and you know the backstory to yours, but we'll have mm -hmm. these traumas that we don't know yeah. where they come from or even yeah. that we have them. Is that so? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I would say, and again, this is just defining it. Ancestral trauma is actually different from generational trauma. Okay. okay. Um, and that's a whole other podcast. And I'm happy <laughs> to do another one there. But we'll just, we'll keep it simple. We'll keep it simple. Um, yeah. Most of the time we actually don't know where a lot of our traumas are coming from because we're just living in these moments and these wounds are constantly speaking to us. And so what these wounds are doing is they're setting us into this fight or flight mode where I need to save myself, I need to protect myself. Now from that place, my nervous system, to put it gently, is going bonkers. And so I don't have clarity. I don't have solutions in how I want to step into this experience of when I'm with my children, to put it practically, or if something is happening in my life. I'm just autopiloting from this place. Sometimes I make up words. I know autopiloting is not a real word, but it there, there there's there's an energy from it. That's good. 
Um, and so we're kind of being in that autopilot of these traumatic wounds that we've built up in our neural pathways, both in our minds, but also in every cell in our bodies. We're not aware where those traumas come from. And the work that, for example, I do is that I guide you um, in acknowledging and becoming aware because our our mm, highest self, the being that we are, knows exactly where those traumas had come from. And holding a space, having someone facilitate a space for you where they know and feel how to guide you to becoming aware of, oh, that's where that came from. And then compassionately seeing those wounds, they begin to fall away, melt away, dissolve away. And then what happens is we rise up as the beings that we are born to be. So a tool that I often share with my clients, with my audience is let's first get you into a state of calming down our nervous system. Okay. So that the wounds can kind of settle a little bit. So that my nervous system, my vagus nerve, we, we know all of these words, but we don't know what to do with it, is a beautiful tool that I kind of call the, not kind of, that I call um, um, segment breath intention. You can say SBI. Now, segment breath intention is um, what you do is the it really takes you, it really is using it in the moment. So segment, I'll define it first. Segment is we all have segments throughout our day. We define what a segment is. So a segment can be anything from I wake up in the morning, I walk to the toilet. That's one segment. It can be a minute. Or a segment can be, I wake up in the morning and I go to the kitchen and I make my coffee, right? That's a little bit of a longer segment. A segment can be, I get in my car, I drive to work and I get to work, whatever length that segment is. So segment in your day is choosing a segment in your life. Um, sometimes a person, um, uh, uh, you can say, I'm just going to divide my segment into hours. So every single hour on the hour will be a segment for me. Segment, then you go into breath. Breath is, you take what I call the candle breath. The candle breath goes like this. And many teachers teach about breath work, right? So breath can be first you empty out your lungs fully, breathing fully out. And then you breathe fully in. Yeah, take your time breathing in. Holding the breath at the top for just a few seconds. You can even count. And then letting the out breath be a little bit longer than the in breath. So breathing fully out. You want to do that three to four to five to six times until you can actually feel your nervous system go. Ah, and for each person, it'll be different depending on the intensity of what this moment or this wound has brought up for them. Right. So um, if they have regular, mm, let's say, driving rage or. I forgot what you call it, but um, 
what do they road call rage. it? Yeah, road rage. Road rage, thank you. You know, and, and they've practiced this road rage for a long time. You might need a few more breaths before you hop into the car because your 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 wound is popping in and you're gonna be like, right? And so you might want to take a few deep breaths more than 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 if your nervous system is already at ease. And then intention is how do you want that segment? to feel like, to be like. And so keeping it simple is, I just want to be calmer. I just want to be present. I just want to express love to whoever I'm being with. And if you do that for three to four to five days, I always say, be the experimenter of your life. Don't take anybody's word for it. But if something resonates for you, experiment it for three days and notice if it's impacted you. Because when we reflect, then we can see if it's changed anything for us. And if it has, then that kind of affirms for us, oh, I want to keep going there. I think it's so important, especially the intention piece, at least for me, because for me, what came to mind was definitely present. Um, I'm not one to massively plan ahead. Like I do live by my calendar to a certain extent, but I, I, I do want to be in the moment. So mm. that is always a you know goal is to be present and definitely to be more loving because mm. um, I can be quite opinionated. Mm. So <laughs> that's what I would be doing. And then blowing out that breath, I can definitely do that. The candle thing. And I love the the concept of be the experimenter. And I think for our audience listening, if you're open to it and you can see the benefits, then give it a go. I think, you know, you said three days or five days. Yeah. Three to five days, three to five days. You'll start to notice a shift in the first day, but I always say go a little bit longer and then reflect, notice how am I being? Is there anything different about me? Because when we can see, right, it's kind of like, you know, going to the gym and, you know, first day you kind of work out and your body feels a little bit good and there's a little bit going on. You know, you you, you get that little bit more of an impact in, oh, something's working here. I'm going to go again tomorrow. It's it, it It's that. That self kind of I don't like to call it motivator, but it's more of that self inspirational guide that's saying something is shifting in me i'm willing to see what else is possible Mm. and that of course changes your state so this is all part of the how do we do our own healing how do we start this healing journey um how how does you know doing the inner healing what i sometimes call the work but maybe that's a bad term doing the inner healing how does it impact our lives and also the people that we love? Like what kind of, I'm not saying what results can we expect, but I'm saying, how does it, how does it impact our lives? Because mm. I feel like it has amazing benefits, but of course we need to consciously do it. It, can't, it doesn't just happen. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you for asking that. And I always love to share with, with a story because, you know, it's one thing for me to say, do your healing, let it go. But exactly how does it actually impact my life? And that's why I actually do this work. It's not about, you know, going off um, and, and, you know, meditating or breathing and then 
still being that road rager or still having those those tense relationships with your family. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll share a personal story that just happened even just yesterday, right? So my daughter, she's young. She just started intermediate in the beginning of this year here in our Southern hemisphere. We started school in February. Um, and, you know, she was kind of like, uh, very confident in primary school. And, you know, something happened for her that she defined as traumatic. And all of a sudden, this great big anxiety started to happen within her body. And now she's observing life as she's not not observing life. Yeah, observing life, but she's observing going to school as something hard and scary. And she's speaking language like mm, they don't like me. They don't they're going to make fun of me. I feel like an alien to them. And the more she did that, the more anxious she became. And so we, you know, she was available to do some healing with me around that and things had shifted for her. Um, and then just the other day, she had an assignment due. Now, what she realized and what I realized is every time an assignment um, pops in for her at school, she gets really anxious, starts thinking, I'm not going to be able to do it well. I'm not going to be able to um, get it right. Right. And she goes into this big meltdown. I don't want to go to school. Um, the crying, the pain. Now, my old self would jump into my own wounds. I would either, right, as parents, usually, and there's more ways that we exhibit that trauma, but I'm going to share three. The first one is um, I attack back. You're going to school because I said so. And maybe you raise your voice and all of a sudden there's this big explosion, right? The second way that we respond from our wounds again is um, we get down to their pain and we start to feel bad for them and we suffer with them and then we worry, oh my goodness, who is she going to become? Is she going to go to school tomorrow? What if she never wants to go to school again? What if she becomes a failure in her life? What is our lives going to look like now? What if she never gets over this anxiety, right? It's like a worry spiral. Yes. And then the third way is we go, we're, we're just over it and we deny that it's even happening. I can't deal with this now. Do it yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And we kind of abandon them and we abandon ourselves in the process. And so how did it look like in my life? So a couple of days ago, she had this assignment that she didn't tell me she had right the night before she walks down into the kitchen I'm cooking and I see these tears pouring down her face and I say what's the matter what's wrong I don't want to go to school I have this assignment the meltdown begins and so here I am tapping into my highest self what does she need right now on this moment she just needs um a little bit of love she needs me to be present for her she needs me to not say anything, not fix anything, but to say to her, how can I support you? She needs me to take a deep breath and guide her from a state of calmness and ease. And so here I was consciously being with her 
And as I was balancing my own nervous system, she then opened up, stepped into my space. And how, and now we have a solution to this. How can I help you? Do you want me to help you with some healing right now? Or would you like me to have a look at your assignment and we can look at it together? And from that place, because she was now able to step into a more balanced, more calmer nervous system, she said, well, let's go do the assignment first. And then when the assignment was done, she's like, now can you take me through some of the compassion that you taught me before so that I can feel better? And this morning she woke up and she was like, I'm ready to go to school. And that's the way that it changes our lives. It's not about let me meditate, let me do breath work, let me listen to some podcast. It's about how do I take this work? that I'm doing, and I also call it work. And how do I use it? And how does it impact my life? And with that, I see my clients have that too. Like, they'll be like, oh my goodness, the way that I would normally step in, which would be with this big explosion, Mm. I was actually able to be with them. And then when we can do that more and more, um, then we can actually step into our highest selves where we are creative. And that's how I do this work because when I calmed my own nervous system, I found ways in the world of how I can actually serve in the world. And so businesses get created from that place. Um, you know, so it's it's really quite beautiful and magical. But I always say, start from where you are. I think part of the key there is recognizing our default reactions. And you highlighted three of them. I wrote down explode and attack, the worry spiral, and kind of denial and abandonment. So for those of you listening, we would love to know if you're happy to share either, you know, what are your default reactions or what can you recognize in yourself or just what is resonating for you? Or if you have any questions for Ina, you can send us a text at 2057, or if you want to email, inbox at realitycheck.radio. Happy to um, receive your, your thoughts and to know what's resonating for you on this topic of inner healing. So Ina, before I come to the, the questions that I ask everyone, which I'll come to in a minute, um, does is this something that we just incorporate into our daily lives? It's not like, do the inner healing, tick. Done. Like, I imagine it's more of a lifestyle scenario. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. She's nodding profusely, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Absolutely. It's, you know, this is not, there's no, and when I say there's, there's just no exit ramp to this work. I'm, I'm excited for the possibilities of what I in my life continue to ascend to. Um, And that's, you know, and that's really what's happening in our world right now, you know, with this work that I've been doing and healing my wounds, um, again, not to create a woo-woo, but what has emerged for me was my ability to also be able to see and go beyond what's happening in our world today. Um, you know, I, I remember um, when COVID had just not, not to bring in COVID because but but it is it is it is our reality in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I remember when COVID had hit us 
And I recognized right away, I remember waking up from um, from a deep sleep and I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is here to break down structures that are no longer serving us. And so all of humanity are moving and stepping into a new way of being. And I know that at the moment it just feels so heavy and so wobbly. Um, but that's what we're here to do. And as we rise in this way of now living and being um, and, and knowing our highest selves, and that's the, that's the magic and the miracles of it. When we do, it's, I'll, I'll share a, 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 like a little analogy that um, resonates with so many. So I'd love to share it with you. Um, imagine for a moment where we're, we're, you know, like, like a wine cork, right? And if you throw a wine cork, um, on the surface of any body of water, um, it floats, right? And so, um, so when we are in those wounds, when we are living life from those pains, those traumas and those wounds, whether they be generational, whether it be ancestral, whether it be now in this lifetime that I had picked up these wounds, they're like chains that are connected to this cork and I'm now chained to the bottom of the sea. Right. And if I somebody comes to you and that's something that many share and say, just think positively. Can't you see the sunshine? There's cognitively, I know that the sun is out, mm. but from a from a, from from where I am, I cannot see the surface of the water. Hence, I cannot see the sun. Hence, I cannot see the positivity or the gift of this experience. When we heal those wounds, we actually cut those chains, we cut those cords, and the cork naturally rises. And now I'm now beginning to float at the surface, and I can see the sun, I can see the possibilities, I can see why these experiences, because life is always, always going to throw experiences at you. Now from this surfacey perspective, I can now see the possibilities of why this is happening for me, where the solutions are, where the path is that I need to go. And that's what we're here to do together, is rise and ascend together in this life so that we can all walk in our own unique way of how our life wants to be experienced as our highest self. So there's no exit ramp to this work because we are creative beings and our creativity is constantly evolving. You know, think about a child. You give them uh, one color and a paper and they start drawing. And at first it just looks like a silly line. And then all of a sudden they start bringing in color and they start bringing in shapes and they start bringing in possibilities and they start throwing mm, uh, sparkles in there and sequins and all <laughs> of these things. But you didn't know that it was going to look like that when you just gave them one crayon and one piece of paper. And that's what we're here to do is to be in this creative way of living in this new way of living. And that's what this healing is all about. The importance of it is a, to be in this life and to create new experiences with the people that we love and also to create from this, from the beings that we were born to be, to go back to what it is that I do. Beautiful. 
Beautiful. So good. And I do love a metaphor, the cork. Um, Ina, what is one thing you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? Um, Continued to heal those wounds and keep choosing it over and over again. And I know that it doesn't, you know, it, it on the outside, it's it doesn't look like a success. But from my perspective, um, from my life and the way that I live my life right now, um, there's nothing better and more powerful that I've done in the last year, particularly with a beautiful mm, certification that I've stepped into and really became a master at this way of truly healing from a deep, compassionate, loving way and guiding others to do that as well. That's been my most biggest up my brave this year. Nice. And what about the bucket list? Do you have anything on your bucket list that you'd love us to help you with? Um, I I know you asked this question in, in, in a message and I kind of sat with it. And firstly, what had come up for me right away is my bucket list is to see people heal. And so for me, it's like I can so beautifully connect to all of humanity, to the collective. And my bucket list is, is to keep seeing people heal. So um, if somebody resonates with that and they want to reach out to me, I do one-to-one journeys. Um, And then the other thing is that's coming up is in October, I'm running a retreat. Um, It's uh, October 22nd to the 25th. And I've been running them for a few years now. And it's always been within a closed circle because I guide uh, a master hearts group and it's always been for them and it is still for them. They're joining, but I've now opened up a few spaces for those that want to just feel that love and that nurturing and that healing for themselves so that they can take it into their life. I think that's important to mention because some people will be thinking, okay, so I can maybe read a book or maybe do some breathing or in the moment, try to not do my default responses, but sometimes having someone to guide you Mm. either in a real, like a a workshop environment or a retreat environment, or as an ongoing coach is really helpful. So how can people connect with you? How can they reach out to you if they either want to learn more or find out about some of your upcoming workshops? Mm. Um, the best way is just go to my website. It's um, www.innerlightened, I-N-N-E-R-L-I-G-H-T-E-N-E-D, um, uh, dot com. Um, and there's a link there, a very easy link, and you can you can read my story a little bit deeper. Um, I also run workshops for kids, so you can look at all of that and what that looks like. And there's a very easy little link there to my calendar where I call it an exploration session. It's a 40-minute session where you get to have a safe space with me. Um, I guide you into just an experience because experientially is when we know mm. the impact of healing rather than cognitively. We bypass that cognitive mind and we step deep into that. Um, and it's just a beautiful 40-minute exploration session. And it's really easy to book in. And you can also reach out to me on Facebook, um, just Ina Neal. Um, yeah. Can we, sp- can we spell that? I-N-N-A-N-E-A-L. Nice. Amazing. Mm. All right, Ina, any final comment before we wrap up? 
Um, I guess what's coming for me in this moment is um, just reminding yourself that you are not broken, your children are not broken, and life is not broken. I know that sometimes we can see things from that perspective, and when we're looking from that perspective, it may seem so. But there is a part of us, um, a whole part of us, the bigger part of us, that we are whole, that we are complete, that we are loved deeper than we can even ever imagine, and that we are creative beings born to come here to create in the world. So just remember that. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much, Ina Neal, on the importance of doing the deep inner healing. Thank you, Ina. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for the space. Thank you for listening, everyone. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Speaking of healing, I actually had the pleasure yesterday of taking three friends along to a new healing um, facility that's opened up um, with some of those um, frequency units that Jason Shirka, some of you might follow him, um, is talking about. And my friend is open. She's got four of those units, but she's also opening another room with eight of the units. Um, So I can't give details yet. It's not actually... um, ready to ready to go. But once she's up and running, I'll definitely be sure to tell you about that. Um, so I'd love to know the healing that you are doing in your life. If you're happy to share, definitely text 2057 or send me an email inbox at realitycheck.radio. It was so great to chat with Ina, Ina Neal. And we talked about the importance of reaching out to someone who is al- already on their healing path, um, doing an, a specific breathing technique, which she calls SBI, which is the segment breath intention. And then being the experimenter, so giving it a go for three to four days and seeing if it shifts the way that you're showing up, your energy, your mood, etc. You can learn more about Ina. She's on Facebook and Instagram as well. And her business is called Inner Enlightened. So that's innerenlightened.com. And it's Ina Neal, I-N-N-A space N-E-A-L. Thank you so much for listening to that interview. I hope you enjoyed it. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. I'm going to do just a flashback, not a sneak peek this week, but just a flashback. This is Kimberly Sweeney with sharing some tips for co-parenting. If you want to hear the entire episode, um, all along the lines of empowered relationships and keeping the love alive or going your separate ways. Kimberly is a divorce and separation coach. She is tragically very busy at the moment, but she does help people to separate amicably or stay together. So you can get some tips in this little segment and you can listen to her replay on the replays page at realitycheck.radio. What is something that people that are wanting to successfully co-parent, what is something they definitely want to do? Look, we learned the hard way. It took us two years to realize that there was such a thing back then as a co-parenting plan, you know? And so once we got that in place, our life changed with how we co-parented and where our daughter kind of sat in the middle of moving between two homes. So I do highly recommend to people to put some sort of co-parenting plan in place. It can be quite basic and and straightforward or it can, you know, be quite detailed. It depends on what the dynamics are between the two parties involved and the households involved. But that would be my top tip is to, as soon as humanly possible if you're separating to sit down and and talk about what that co-parenting plan will look like in a schedule and the financial aspects of their children and all those things Um, and then 
probably secondly is, is that sorry to jump in is that plan something written down like a spreadsheet or a, or a word document or something yeah so look there's many different um ways you can get your hands on a parenting plan um free resources there's the um, parenting through separation course that i do recommend all people separating go and do and in that course you will get a very basic plan to help that your family put something in place um I have got a very detailed plan that I work with my clients on and it's a download on my website as well. And just over the years, it's morphed into, you know, probably a 10 page plan just mm -hmm. because uh, every family is different with what their needs are. And so, you know, when different things have come up with clients and families, I've added those things to the plan and, you know, you can utilize it to suit your needs. So you don't have to fill in all the clauses, but it covers off a lot of different things about, you know, how to co-parent when there's a new partner involved and and other, you know, step-siblings and all sorts of things like that that you don't kind of think about will come into the mix as um, as you work through those stages of, of co-parenting. So, yeah, parenting plans are available out there one way or another and you can work on them together or if you can't manage to do it as, as parents, then... I do recommend clients go to see a mediator and have mm. some mediation on that one just to get on the same page and and remember that it's about what's best for the children, you know, not not the parents in this situation. It's what suits the kids and what's going to work for them best. And coming back to the question about what, what to avoid, is there anything, any kind of traps or pitfalls that parents often do around that co-parenting? Mm, I think um, the biggest thing to avoid is not bad-mouthing the other parent in front of the children or, or to the children. Um, always speak kindly and respectfully of each other as parents and always support each other's choices as parents, you know, be on the same page and, and even just having, you know, monthly catch-ups as parents without the children to just discuss what's happening in both households and how you can support each other because it is challenging, you know, being a single parent and if you're not on the same page and supporting each other, then the kids start to play you off against each other you know so having um having that support of each other as parents I think is what's best for the children I know that during COVID obviously there was the whole lockdown bubble thing and a lot of people had to stay together when main possibly I actually knew a few people that were planning on separating and then suddenly they're in a bubble um did you see some people actually being able to turn things around through the COVID thing and not it doesn't pull them apart instead it brought them together did you see any of that happen I did like it, it was a real mixed bag obviously um but there were some people that I think because life slowed down for them they were able to look at what changes needed to be made in their families to make this work and make it healthier and you know potentially not working 12-hour days and and not supporting each other around the home and all of those things so I think being at home with each other 24-7 with the children made each other see what you do bring to the table and what you could do better and so there was a little bit of that, definitely. Um, people just making different choices in, in regards to the lifestyle and, and work-life balance and putting more time and effort into the family, which was nice to see. I think, you know, I, I did notice that as well. A lot of people re-evaluating what, what is important to them as a family and spending more, you know, sometimes it was forced time together, but suddenly they did have more time to fill. So that was that can either go either way. I know there was yeah. an increase for some people in the domestic violence. So that's obviously 
a very negative outcome. But for some people, I suppose, like you said, slowing down for some of them helped them to avoid that separation. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there was yeah many different scenarios going on out there. But um, yeah, there were the odd odd success stories in, in the pandemic of people, you know, kind of just rekindling and remembering what it was that they got together in the first place and what's keeping them together now and how can they do it better for the sake of their children. Thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning in today to the live stream, or maybe you're listening to the replay of the Up Your Brave show, where today we talked about healing, we talked about psychology, and we talked about uh, worthiness and such great topics. So maybe, just maybe, you can raise a conversation with someone in your life this week on any of the things that you've learned or that have come up for you during this during this interview and show. It's been amazing to spend some time with you. If you want more help in your life to up your brave in whatever area that may be, I have an incredible um, listing of amazing people. You can check that out on my website. My website is upyourbrave.com. One word, upyourbrave.com. And you can go to upyourbrave.com slash recommended. And you can see that there. I also have a shop and some coaching information. So if you want to learn more, or if you want help to up your brave in whatever area of your life, definitely check out my website. And if you're thinking of becoming a foundation member, you have not missed the boat. You can still do that. You can go to realitycheck.radio and join us so that you can attend next month's uh, backstage webinar or get the deals on the merch or get the daily bites. I'm loving the daily bites. This is an email a concise email with the news of the day that comes in. So it's a really easy way to keep your finger on the pulse without getting overwhelmed. And that's, again, one of the amazing bonuses that those in the foundation membership get. So thanks for those who have joined the membership. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next week on the Up Your Brave show. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR. Reality Check Radio.